Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 87. 87. <laughs> I love it that that's become a staple of the intro now. <laughs> I wish I didn't do it because I can't think of, I just can't think of things to do every week. <laughs> well, you can't stop it now. I know. It's a train, you've started a train. I'm caught in a temporal loop. Yeah, I'm just, just, yeah. Caught in the temple. I'm I might just do the classic robot from now on. Yeah. Eighty-seven big blue box. <laughs> if I if I could, I'd do the voice of the uh, cyber leader from Tomb. That would be the ultimate. But I I just can't get my vocal range up there. Well, I thought you were going to dig out your um your voice Coda. changing <laughs> Cyberman helmet thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I must dig that out. Yeah. Is that photo you put on Facebook recently was very good. Just you at work with the Cyberman helmet on. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I did crop it as well because when I very first posted that, because um, of the way I'm sat, my shirt button at the bottom is kind of really tight. And uh, <laughs> so the first comment I got was, I'm not sure what's more scary, that your Cyberman head or the shirt button about to explode from the bottom. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've put on a bit of weight. <laughs> <laughs> Cybermen yeah. got to eat too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a, he's a little overweight. Cyberman. I was trying to think of a, um, a Star Wars quote. There isn't he a little, isn't he a little tubby for a Cyberman? <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Very good. Uh, not Doctor Who related, um, but I assume everyone's got their Star Wars: The Force Awakens DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've watched I it have. three times this week. Have you? Yes. Oh, you lucky beggar. Yeah. The first time I watched it, um, I thought yes. I, I, I just can't get enough of it and I watched it again straight after so like back to back Force Awakens it was awesome and I'm assuming you've crossed to the dark side for your limited edition cover indeed same what does that say about us <laughs> what does that say I knew you would get the dark side as well I of thought. course there was never any I never there was never any doubt I was never going to go for the dark no. side the dark side looks better with the black and the writing and it just looks more Star Warsy. It does, it? yeah. It has to be the the, the dark side. Um, yeah, I, I've got mine as well. Very, very pleased. I do feel sorry though for anyone that doesn't have a Blu-ray player, because shockingly the DVD doesn't have any extras at all, which Indeed. I think is a little bit um, stingy, isn't it? It's a bit harsh, isn't it? It's because, a bit harsh. Yeah, because you at least expect to have a, even something small like the deleted scenes. There's only about five or six of those. Yeah. You'd at least put that on there. Um, but yeah, a bit, bit harsh from, I don't know who to blame these days, at Lucasfilm, Disney. Well, I kind of just sure. think, like I know they're trying to push people over to Blu-ray, and I know most people nowadays have a Blu-ray, but I know friends that haven't got Blu-rays that have uh, that bought it on DVD, and I just feel a bit sorry for them not getting anything at all. But yeah, there you go. Disney, there you go. But it's a, it's a sign of the times. It's quite commonplace now, isn't it? They just shove everything on the, on the Blu-rays. Yeah. Well, there's... Um, the uh, the UHD the ultra high def 4K uh, Blu-ray stuff has has launched very oh, yeah. very recently. I think Panasonic have just brought out their first 4K UHD player. 
Oh, 4K nice. TVs are very much the thing now. So I think DVD will get even more sort of phased out very quickly these days and thrown into the abyss, the media abyss. I wouldn't be surprised. One, one thing that um, I hadn't realised until I got back home from purchasing the, the Force Awakens is that um, there's no 3D version of it. And of course, it was 3D at the cinema. Um, now, to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have bought the 3D anyway because I'm not a big 3D fan. Me too. But uh, is yeah. that because they're going to do some big, expensive 3D version later in the year? Because I just suddenly realised, yeah, it's not even out on, on 3D. That's correct. The 3D mm. version is out in October, September ah. or October, I believe. So like anything with Star Wars, you're going to have to buy this three or four times to get yeah. the version you want. But And I bet that'll have go. a about three different versions of that as well, I should imagine. Of course, yeah. And a few yeah. more extras that you didn't get before and mm. different slip cover and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I don't mind so much, actually. It, what the, the, th- the only thing that does bug me, actually, about some of the big movies, I think they did it with um, the last Star Trek film, is they sometimes spread out the extras over different mediums. So, for example, like... Um, the Blu-ray, there was a Sainsbury's exclusive where you got loads of uh, like an extra disc. And then there was even more extras on iTunes that you could only get on iTunes. And there was like another version where you got the extras. They sort of spread them out. And I don't like that because it's just like, you know, I want one set with everything on it. I don't want to have to buy bits of it off iTunes. So that's the only thing that does bug me. Right. When yep. They do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is annoying. It is, but that, it's all money, and it? it's all money, 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 yeah. money, money, money. Anyways, this is yeah. not a Star Wars podcast. No, it's not. It is not. It is a Doctor Who podcast, and yes. it is slow times at the moment for old Who. Mm. So hopefully, we're keeping you going. Once a week, we're giving you some, a little bit of a little bit of Doctor Who sunshine to keep you alive mm. until we get some decent news. I know there's some. Um, companion news which is bubbling away which is due to be i keep reading every week about companions going to be announced this week and mm. and all this stuff but it still hasn't come so i think that might be a little way off yet um but i think that's going to be the biggest thing that we're waiting on at the moment um, I, yeah i thought we might have got there by now i must yes. admit i kind of thought it was I- imminent but no we're still waiting because they must start filming soon surely you would Next think month. so yep, yeah you would think so so I think it's going to be. I think they'll leave it to the last minute. I've got a feeling they're just going to they're going to do a, an on-set photo of this person mm. and announce it. Then I don't think it will be weeks before. I've just got a feeling. Who's this actress on Twitter that keeps um, posting pictures and she's really sort of uh, making the most of the fact that she's rumored to be the companion? Oh, and yeah. then she keeps posting like fan-made um, posters of her and Capaldi saying, uh, calm down, guys, it's fan-made. Don't, you know, nothing's announced yet. And I'm thinking either yes. she's really reveling in the fact she's she's like <laughs> rumoured or she's got it and she just can't wait to tell everyone. Yeah, I know human. I can't, her name escapes me. I saw like... Is she a soap actress? Because that would explain why I don't know her because I don't watch any of the soaps. I believe, I, oh, I believe so. Right, that's why I don't know who she is. Then. I, yeah. I don't follow her, but I've seen people retweet some of her things, and yeah, it's a bit. Mm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that. No, no, no. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, big birthday today. Yes, on the day we're recording. Yes, old Madge. <laughs> Literally old Madge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our monarch celebrates <laughs> ninety <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't I'm just be saluting. That shouldn't we, be our national anthem, should it? 
Well, it's so sucky. Why don't we have um, <laughs> Land of Hope and Glory? It's such a more uplifting, more patriotic, as also, a, you know, as a country. Mm. I think so. Yeah. So happy birthday to your majesty. Happy 90 birthday, years old, young today. Old Madge. I reckon she's going to be in a movie this year. What, Bond, the Bond movie or? No. Oh. Uh, fans of Roald, Roald Dahl, if you ever read the BFG as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Steven Spielberg's version of that is out in a couple of months' time. Oh. And she plays a decent role towards the end. So I'm not saying that the actual Queen will be in a movie, but, you know, our Queen will be in there somewhere. Is that is that bloke still alive? Do you remember that guy that used to be around in the 80s? <laughs> is that bloke uh, that still alive? That the Queen. Do you know they used to sort of drag him onto all the shows in the 80s? Do you remember that guy? Impersonating the Queen. He didn't even really look like the Queen, but yeah, it's just like this sort of, um, this old guy that just used to come on dressed as the Queen and he'd, if ever they had like a comedy where the Queen was meant to be in it, they'd always get him in. No, you can't think. Maybe you're too young. I don't know. Um, to remember. An I, old guy. He might even be the one, and I'm not sure, but he might even be the one in Silver Nemesis. You know, we get that quick shot of the queen with walking the corgis in silver nemesis oh yes yep. that might be him he's ah. just he was just there was this guy that was around in that that era that always impersonated the queen can't say i know mate so if he's, he probably is 90 by now at least so maybe they'll get him maybe yeah so i'm sure there, there must be at least one other listener out there that knows who i'm talking about oh, they're, they're bound to be yeah Somebody send us a tweet just to, just to put adam's mind at rest yeah tweet or facebook or something let us know about this old guy that impersonates the queen yeah. <laughs> there we go. if you saw a picture of him i bet you'd know you'd be like oh him oh god i remember him oh, and everything. Like, yeah. some mothers do have them anything like that that just had to have the queen in it it's always him um i so, got the yeah. box set of that a couple of months ago and i haven't watched it yet some mothers do have them yeah what a fantastic show that used to be anyways I, yeah before we <laughs> this is not a some mother's dragon podcast indeed what have you been up to buddy in the last week anything doctor who related yes <laughs> <laughs> yes i have i say that with authority because last week i as you know i had no time to breathe with my job so i this week i have found time to listen to the first two episodes of you will obey me the new big finish audio which is the it's the first one in the master trilogy oh of course uh, they're yes. bringing out yep. yeah so you will obey me and this one's with the fifth doctor peter davison yep. um I, I was really hoping i might have got around to listening to the parts three and four before we recorded but sadly not but i will say this um i've really enjoyed the first two parts so i'm right. hoping that the second two are as good because um yes yeah, the first one from the monthly range i've bought in a little while i used to subscribe to the monthly range um but i a i just couldn't afford it uh, to renew it this time around so i've kind of missed out on a little batch and i hear the quality is, has been a bit hit and miss as well so um so this is the first one i bought because i want to get this trilogy um cool. but yeah very good what i've just do so far a few dodgy russian accents i have to say <laughs> sometimes big finish you know, they get their extras in to do these voices and they're not always the best, but uh, that aside, yeah, pretty good. So I have managed to cram in a bit of who. Um, I have been also waiting by the post box oh, no. for the last two weeks, oh. waiting for my Spearhead from Space steelbook. Does anybody know oh, no. Hold on. <laughs> what's oh. going on with it? Because I know a lot of people are in the same boat. I see a lot of people tweeting Zabby saying, you know, it's well past the release date. It's vanished from the website. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and bizarrely enough, 
just be- literally before we were about to record this morning, something happened, didn't it, Gary? Yeah, I'm, I don't want to say it now because you're potentially <laughs> a bit miffed about this. It's a good job we're not in the same room. I would have got a, a black eye by now. <laughs> well, I yeah, I just would have been like, look over there. And then you'd turn around and just be like roadrunner. <laughs> yeah, like a cartoon puff of smoke as you're running off down the path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good news. I got my steelbook. Well, good news for Gary. Today. I've literally yeah. just opened it seconds before we started recording. Yeah. And it looks absolutely wonderful. Oh, it really does. I can't it's amazing, tell mate. you how... Just the feeling of holding oh. it in your hands, Adam, and just looking through and the amazing <laughs> artwork. And it's just, it's amazing. You should, you it, should, you should get one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure mine will be thrown over the wall by the postman any day now. I was going to say, yeah. you'll find a warped, bent version that's been <laughs> down the bottom it's of the like, I would, I'll put money on it. Mine will be shoved through the letterbox, bent. Um, but no, it really does. Joking aside, um, well, obviously I'm, I'm looking at it over Skype, but uh, it looks fantastic, Gary. It really does look uh, a beaut, a beauty. It's a beauty. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with the other version I've got. You know, the standard one, the standard mm. Blu-ray. Um, Are you going to open this? Because they, they look so nice sealed, don't they? But you kind of want to open it so you can see the, the bit inside. Oh, yeah, you're going to open it, mate, yeah. I don't yeah. keep things in boxes or wrapped no. up, you know that. No, but they do look nice all sealed up like that, don't they? Does they do. look really, yeah. really good. They do. Yeah, because I always find when you open it, the card bit they put around it kind of just falls off and mm-hmm. it's never the same once you open it. Don't be so not don't be so It's never the same. You know. Oh, it's never the same. Well, I'm just thinking that like, rapper that I had in eighty six. <laughs> <laughs> That piece of cling film. Yeah, yeah. I imagine having a drawer full of full of all these old wrappers. Oh, this is a this is a good one. This Daypole wrapper. Yeah, this yeah, old. I remember this well. Yeah, and I'll never forget the year that my mum threw away the, the, the you know the great wrapper disposal incident of whatever year it was. You yeah. got to open stuff up, mate. Unless it's like a really highly collectible, thousands mm. of pounds worth of thing. Just tear everything open, get the boxes in the bin, and. Get it on the shelf. Yeah, you sound like my other half. Okay. Yeah. A bit more, get, just get to it, yeah. Yeah, just get to it. Because <laughs> <laughs> these yeah, things no, have just, been designed beautifully to be looked at, not to be, not to admire the, the shrink wrap. Yeah. Get it It does look great. Well, so, yeah, yeah, let us know, guys, listening, because I know a few of our listeners have pre-ordered this. Let us know if yours has, has turned up. Um, of course, this will be going out a day after we've recorded, so there's a chance uh, a few more might be dropping through letterboxes, I guess. Yeah, so mine came just with Royal Mail, so yeah, hopefully you'll get it when your next postie arrives. Has he yeah. been? Has he been today already? Um, not that I've no, oh, no, oh, oh, could be, no. could be. So it could be, it could be. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I haven't been down to the, I haven't been down to the box yet. So we never know. The excitement mounts. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you just know that he's not going to come though. You just know it's not going to oh, come today, man. and I'm just going to be sat here looking out the window for the next. Eight and a half hours, but um, but yeah. yeah, it looks good. Um, just before we kick off with all the news, um, did you hear about this Christopher Eccleston Q&A that went on last Sunday? Um, yes. In Newbury. Yes, I do know of that, yep. Because um, one of our listeners, uh, Paul Burns, um, was lucky enough to go to it, and he sent us a little, uh, a little message, because obviously he's heard us talk about Chris. <laughs> you know, in the past, yep. and we're never quite sure what to make of Chris. Um, so I just want to share this with you because uh, I found this quite interesting. So this is um, this is Paul Burns' little uh, report of the day. He says, um, 
I thought you may be interested in a quick review of an audience with Christopher Eccleston, which took place at the Watermill Theatre in Newbury. Chris was interviewed by the theatre's artistic director and his whole career was discussed with a brief segment on Doctor Who. Nothing really new to report, but he did reveal that he talks to his action figure into the early hours, which is quite an image, <laughs> isn't it? To think of Chris sat there chatting away. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's got a Slovene one as well. During the audience Q&A, Doctor Who wasn't mentioned at all. Now that does surprise me, wow. considering okay. the amount of Doctor Who fans that must have been in that audience. I know Paul went with... Um, with a group alone. So I'm amazed that Doctor Who wasn't mentioned. Um, Chris was a bit nervous, but warm, chatty, and really engaged with the audience. Following that, and against all expectations, Chris did a signing session. This has to be the first time he's done anything like this, and he kindly signed one item for free and posed for photos. What a golden opportunity for people to meet the most elusive of doctors, who is nothing like his reputation of being grumpy and anti-who. He couldn't have been more patient and kind. Wow. And I, I happen to be friends with Paul on Facebook, and I've seen pictures of him and, uh, and the other guys that went to the event. And I have to say, I was so <laughs> jealous. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it just looked brilliant. They were all, they had like two or three pictures each with him. He, Chris just looked really relaxed. They all got stuff signed. I saw somebody that had got the Regenerations box set signed by Chris. Whoa, he signed right. photos of the Ninth Doctor for Paul. And yeah, it just, they, all of them were just saying it's, it was the most amazing afternoon they've ever had. And th these are guys that I've got to know through the Phantom Chiswick event. So obviously they've met quite a few stars over the years and been to quite a few things. But they okay. said it was yeah. a really just amazing, surreal afternoon. And um, and yeah, I just wanted to share that because I know we've talked about Chris before and what it might be like to meet him. And I'm just really pleased that he, he did that because I guess he didn't have to sit there for whatever it was, an hour and a half, two hours to do mm -hmm. a sign-in, did he? He could Not have just gone yeah. in and gone out. So... Well done, Mr. Eccleston. Your reputation is intact, and, and I, for one, am very impressed. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just be clear that we've we've never slated him personally no, on no. the show. We've never said that he's had a, a personal um, crappy attitude towards anything like that. We've just mentioned a few times that um, compared to other actors, such as David Tennant and Matt Smith and so on, he's kind of shied away from doing any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. In comparison. So as far as, you know, him as a person and a, you know, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Very nice yeah. guy. It's yeah. just that we would like him to be a bit more active, I guess, in the whole fandom thing, like the other actors who have played the Doctor. Exactly, but, mate. Yeah, because you know, says that. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, it's, it. he does, he. that's maybe what's, you know, that provides that air of kind of mystery about him, mm. you know, because he's not, in the public eye all the time about Doctor Who. It does, you know, create a good conversation about him about that stuff. So, but, you know, that, that sounds really cool, though, that he posed for photos and had all the, you know, was signing stuff. That's really good. No, I, th I think you're absolutely right, because, I mean, that's probably why it felt so special to those guys. Like you said, because he is so elusive, mm -hmm. and they probably walked away from that saying, wow, I can't believe it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's because of that, because he's not so involved. The fact they've come away with pictures and an autograph, all free, all just because he was, you know, good enough to do it. No, yeah. you know, money changed hands or anything like that. It's not like, a, you know, they were, you know, like a convention or anything. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's what made it so special, I would imagine, is the fact that it is so rare. And Paul even says in the notes, it's probably 
he's never really done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very, very good. And um, thanks very much, Paul, for sending that in because it is interesting to know. And I, like you just said, we, whenever we've said anything about Chris, and I'm sure our listeners have got to know our personalities by now, it's always very much in jest. If ever we say anything, you know, about sort of meeting him and, and him being grumpy, whatever, people know that we are saying it very much tongue in cheek. Of course, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so thanks for that, Paul. That was interesting. Uh, talking of Chris Eccleston, I don't know if any of our listeners have been watching The A Word. Oh, um, I've heard about this. He's cracking. Absolutely superb in that. He plays this um, uh, grumpy old granddad. Oh, really? Yeah, and at first, you know, when, I, when I've watched the, the first episode of it, I thought, mm, they've cast this wrong because he just doesn't seem old enough to play to yeah. play a granddad. But it does work quite well. It, it does work pretty well, and he's so funny. He's like the comic relief. Right in this program because it's a very, it's something. It's a very serious subject. The program and it can be very, um, not the happiest of programs. It's got little comedy elements in there, but it's very serious drama for the most part. But he provides a really good, funny element to it. He's like, he's like the old granddad figure who's got to that age where people just don't tell him off when he says stuff that's maybe not politically correct or right. he can just get away with stuff because he's like the old granddad sort of thing um and he's really good in it he's very he's just you know like he was with doctor who just spot on really, really yeah good. so yeah if you haven't seen the a word yet it's uh it's a really good show really good drama is, that, yep. is that a bbc one or is that a us uh that is a is it the one where he's got the autistic son? Yes, I believe yeah. it's an ITV or a Channel Four thing. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah I remember seeing remember seeing it advertised, but I haven't actually watched it. But yeah, all right, I'll give that a go. Yeah, or Sounds is it? Good. Or is it? Um, or is it a BBC? I can't remember. It's BBC One. Cool. Sorry. He's a good actor. I do like Chris. He's very good. Yeah. So, have you been up to anything who wise apart from watching our <laughs> our review <laughs> episode later? Um, have I? I've, I've listened to my latest big finish. Uh, purchase the labyrinth of buddha castle oh yeah how was that that is cracking mate is that mcgann tom baker tom baker tom baker and lala one yeah um it's uh it's just brilliant is it i tell you what mate just as a standalone story because sometimes um you get these stories because you were quite excited about the doctor and romano weren't you on yeah yeah and uh they're just straight back into it Right. It's like they were never gone. Oh, and, I really want to get that set. Uh, and yeah. the story is really good. It's like a typical old school um, horror story. Proper vampire, Bram Stoker, Nosferatu, that kind of thing. Really, really good. I mean, it comes to light towards the end. That, that's not the case. I don't want to give any spoilers away. But um, mm. but it, I'll tell you what, mate. It's, the script is brilliant. Oh, excellent. The, the Doctor and Romana are really good. The supporting cast is for the most part, really, really good. But just the script, it just, honestly, mate, it, it's one of those stories where you start listening and then before you know it, it, it's done. Right. And it's just a really good ride and it's a great little adventure. So if you, you guys are after a, a a Tom Baker story, but you haven't checked out any big finish Tom Baker recently, that's a really good one. Excellent. So I'm really glad. So I can't remember the guy's name now. Somebody mentioned it on Twitter uh, several weeks ago now. Um, well, the writer? No, just just somebody that we follow on Twitter um, just posted a picture and said, I've just finished listening to this. And I jumped on and thought, oh, that looks good. Because we were talking about doing Vampires of Venice. 
yeah and, and the cover's got this vampire story on it and so i thought oh this this is good timing um and the, the guy's name escapes me so i'm very sorry whoever that is but thank you very much for the recommendation it's really good excellent i must yeah. admit yeah i'm looking forward to, to to getting those um fourth doctor adventures with lala because i was quite excited when they first announced those i don't think i don't think we ever envisaged um tom and lala recording together again um i don't know if they record in separate booths or separate times it doesn't really matter the fact is that this you've got that tireless team back together again so i was quite excited about that um but i just need to get the series before first because i can't <laughs> possibly my ocd just won't let me buy series four of those adventures <laughs> until i yeah. buy series three um but yeah i will get them i will get around to getting those because um they sound good it's yeah. really good yeah so the doctor and, and romana very very good in that and um yeah, like I said, great script. I think it's Eddie, Eddie Robson. Right. Eddie Robson, right. Yeah, yeah, really good. Directed by Nick Briggs. Ah, oh, the Briggsy. The old Briggsy, yep. Um, after that, not much. Um, dug up a classic episode and watched that the other day, one that we'd um, reviewed in the past, the old Black Orchid. Oh, Black Orchid. Yep. Oh. I thought I, I thought I just want something complete. I, I wasn't really in the mood for anything particular. It was almost one of those, you know, shut your eyes, wave your finger around and just when you open your eyes, just pick it off. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, I quite enjoyed going back and seeing that. It's, um, I think we reviewed it reasonably well. It wasn't fantastic, but when we reviewed it, but uh, it was all right going back and watching that. I, I always quite like it. I, I have a real soft spot for that story. Yeah, I can't remember, I have no idea what we scored it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I've always really quite liked that one. Yeah. yeah, we did it quite well. I gave it a 7.5 and you gave it an 8. Yeah, it's just one. I know it's not the best mm. story in itself, but I've always just kind of liked it. Like you said, it's a real good one to just put on and a nice, easy watch. Yes, exactly. Um, even yeah. though the first episode is about ten minutes of cricket, um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I like yeah. I like that one. I've, I'm, one day, one day, there we go. I yeah. am going to do. I don't think <laughs> we ever get through a podcast without doing that. Um, one day, I'm going to do a little location shoot of that one because the train station is in Quainton, which um, occasionally. I end up going through. It's not a million miles from me. Um, it's not close, but it's not a million miles. So that's where they filmed like the train station bit. So I want to do a little location one day. I think the police station they use is a house uh, now. So I okay. can just <laughs> it might get in trouble filming that. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go and do a little location. I've no idea where the manor house is though. I've forgotten. That's nowhere near me. Um, but uh, that looks quite nice. I think that's a private residence anyway. Okay. But yeah, but yeah, Black Orchid, good little story. Yeah. yeah. That's me. That's what I've been up to who-wise. Right. Um, I was, um, as we do quite frequently, um, look at potential conventions and meetups and so on. Um, did you see that one that we were interested in has been cancelled? Yes. What, uh, a, what a bummer that is. It really is, actually, because yeah. I know the guy who was trying to, I don't know him, sorry, but the guy who was trying to organise it um, really was, oh, he was trying everything. He really was putting in so much effort and he got some really good guests lined up mm -hmm. um, and he was really honest with people as well when ticket sales weren't as good as he had hoped rather than just ploughing on and, 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 you know, with the chance of everyone losing their money. He just openly said on Facebook, look, guys, um, I'm going to be frank with you, tickets need to go up for this to continue. Um, I'm not going to risk your money, you know, but if you're thinking of buying a ticket, please book now 
so that I can get the ball rolling properly. Yeah. Um, and he got so close, I think he just needed perhaps another 40 or so tickets to get to the amount that he needed to secure the hotel and all this. You know, and it just it got to the point where he had to make that decision of um of taking a big risk with the money that he'd got and and or just cancelling. And of course he didn't want to lose people's money and all that, so he just cancelled. And it's yeah, he's tried everything. I think he he'd organised signed prints from Tom Baker for Everyone that bought a ticket, I think it actually ended up being all the first hundred or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was Genesis, wasn't it? Genesis in... Genesis up in... Um, is it Newcastle? So it was in the northeast. yeah. A uh, guy yeah. called Dave. Dave. Uh, who was running. Yeah, it's a real shame because it's one of those things where we were, we were looking at it a few times, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me personally, I was um, sort of umming and ahhing over it. Not because of the convention itself, but whether I could get up there at that time. Uh, yeah. to the northeast and you know when i revisited i thought let me just have another look see if they've added any info or what's going on and if you know they've added any extra people or anything's changed i might just bite the bullet and, and get a ticket um and then when i had a look it was like yeah we spent this quite a long message on there to say um he's been completely honest and transparent about why but mm. yeah he's had to pull the plug so that's a real shame because i think if if, if he had added a, maybe another couple of people um i probably would have got a ticket um, yeah I mean it was looking pretty good anyway don't get me wrong it was looking like a good one anyway but for me it was just the travel and I think the dates I was trying to work the dates out but yeah it's just a shame really that these things yeah we gave it a good shot though he, he almost he did. got there yeah and it for me it was just the travel because I don't drive and and uh, and it's um, it's a million miles from me but I, I was yeah I thought the, the lineup he'd managed to get was good and uh, like I said he seemed to be plowing a lot of effort into it you could tell it was going to be a good event if it had gone ahead um, I think the thing is, it was it was great that he was so honest with people on Facebook, but it also might have been a double-edged sword because a lot of people might have thought, oh, I'm not risking it if it's going to be cancelled. It's, it's so hard to say. I mean, I think he made the right call by being honest with people and saying, look, you know, um, I need another 50 tickets sold and then we're all good, you know, um, and sadly that, that didn't happen. But, you know, I think he did the right thing being honest, but it also, yeah, may have sort of, put a couple of people off it's a real difficult one than that not easy yeah. organizing these things it isn't and so is it and i've sent you a couple of messages mm. um i think i might have um this is like a, a while ago now maybe um six months or a year ago even or something i think i might have had a few drinks a few brewskis might have uh, uh been loaded that night but i remember texting you saying oh, i want to i want to put on a doctor who convention it'll oh be yeah a, it'll be amazing so when you see messages like this and stuff <laughs> you you know it and I know a few people who have put on conventions, not for Doctor Who, but in my sort of industry, my day job, um, like design and development and stuff like that. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. I don't think anyone appreciates just how hard it is to get everything sorted and get commitment from people and get tickets sold and market it without spending lots of money. And it's, it's, it, I imagine it's extremely difficult. And then you said to me, I think you text me back and said, have you been on the source, mate? <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. So I, I have thought about it a couple more times, mm. but I don't know. It would just be insanely stressful and difficult. So um, I, I completely understand where Dave's coming from on that. I think that the, the, just to finish off on it, I think the, the thing I was really gutted about with this one in particular, even though it was very 50-50 if I could go, um, the thing I liked about it was I got the impression that Dave's done conventions before back in the day and he wanted to do a convention... Um, very much like they used to be. Um, so a lot fairer in price 
uh, and you know and that sort of thing in terms mm-hmm. of how many autographs you could get and how much you're paying so that's what i liked about it i like the fact he wasn't doing a convention to make loads of money and yep. whatever he was doing it because he wanted it to be like in quotes the good old days where it was about you know people having a good time meeting the fans not having to spend a fortune but but covering costs and and all that so that's that's what i really liked about it so that's why i was quite disappointed that it it got cancelled i'd love to have seen it you know go ahead yeah indeed yeah sad times sad times but yeah shall we land our good fair tardis and <laughs> yes. do some news and merch yes <laughs> visions of tom baker walking through um is it the face of evil where he's walking through the forest whistling like that that's right yep that's it t- took me straight back to that yeah as you might have guessed uh we haven't got any news this week there is no news um there is little pockets and snippets of things but literally nothing substantial to to tell you guys no um i think this is a first for us I think we've always managed to dig around and find something even small, but uh, yeah, there literally is nothing, nothing <laughs> to tell you um, other than stuff that we've already mentioned. So on past weeks, um, we've mentioned that, you know, the Titan comics continue to come out, but we mentioned them last week. Um, yeah, we haven't had the companion news yet. We've had nothing from the BBC about anything else. The class announcement has been and gone. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's a barren wasteland. It, it is definitely um definitely barren. But we have got a bit of merch. Yeah. I gotta say I just just in case I just refreshed the news site. Just in case because I always think wouldn't that be terrible if we're like, yeah, there's no news and as we're recording, like the companions announced and we just get off and like, <laughs> oh well that's another show wrapped. What? You know, so I've just refreshed it. I can confirm there is no news. Yeah, I've got a, yeah, because we, we dig around because we must have about seven or eight different sources that we go to yeah. to try and get news from and Twitter and all sorts, but there's just nothing really happening, unfortunately. No, there's not. So we got a bit of merch though. Yeah. Uh, so a new book, um, a new book has surfaced uh, called The Scientific Secrets of mm. Doctor Who. Mm. And this is released in July. At the moment, it's down for July 7th. And, um, just the, the, the synopsis is thus. Uh, Doctor Who stories are many things. Thrilling adventures, historical dramas, tales of love and war and jelly babies. Mm-hmm. They're also science fiction, but how much of the science is actually real and how much is really fiction? Hmm. The secrets of the scientific secrets of Doctor Who is a mind-bending blend of story and science that will help you see Doctor Who in a whole new light, weaving together a series of all-new adventures featuring every incarnation of the Doctor. With commentary that explores the possibilities of time travel, life on other planets, artificial intelligence, parallel universes and more, Simon uh, Gurrier and Dr. Marek Kula 
show how Doctor Who uses science to inform its unique style of storytelling and just how close it has often come to predicting the future scientific discoveries. Mm. I would love to read their chapter on the twin dilemma. Wouldn't that be... (laughs) Wouldn't that be a read, eh? About planets aligning and eggs, yes. that would. I'd love to know if that's scientifically possible. But yes, so interesting stuff there. Indeed. Mm. You you, you getting this one? um, Not sure. It could be a. Mm. It could be a cool read, um, depending on how serious they go. Because it does say it does sound serious, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It it does say it's a. um, It's a collection of stories featuring each doctor, and they they try and weave in the the science. You know, the actual what's feasible, Mm. or what's you know, what Doctor Who has predicted as science has come true, and that stuff. So it could be cool, but. Um, it's not a bad price as well. The paperback's only uh, seven ninety nine, ah. so it could be good. If there's a, if there's a chapter on strange matter, then I might get it. <laughs> on strange matter, <laughs> strange matter, time and the Rani. No, I just oh, yeah. of course. Um, so yeah, again, not much else in the merch section, is there? But I did want to ask you, Gary. Go on. Um, record store day uh, just happened last weekend. Um, did you manage to get anything? Of those two, because there was two special releases, uh, Doctor Who wise, there was Genesis of the Daleks on blue vinyl, and uh, the Dalek Invasion Earth soundtrack on double yellow vinyl. Double yellow. Both looked fantastic. Um, yeah, did you manage to get anything? No, same, same. And I've been scouring eBay. I, oh, you do not know how close I came to bidding the other day. I was sat having dinner, and the clock was ticking down. It was on like thirty seconds. And I was like, oh, I want it. I, want, I was just really want both these releases, but I didn't. I literally had my thumb hovering over it, didn't get them. Um, and I saw that Silver Screen retweeted this guy. Did you see this guy that got the Dalek Invasion Earth yes. vinyl? Yep. He got 001. Yes. And they retweeted it. And then someone put it, because I was actually going to put the same comment, but someone beat me to it. They were like, yeah, he got it. And then he bunged it straight on eBay for £275. What? Yeah, so I was like, "Why would you do that?" Well, because that's what people do. They just, but the fans don't get a chance to get a look in, and the the people who uh, you know that buy them just buy them to sell to make a profit. It's infuriating. Oh. In fact, I I insist that you press the rant button because it makes me absolutely furious that real fans are denied the chance to get their hands on these things. Well deserved rant. Yeah, well, uh, I feel better for that. I feel good, better for hearing good. that rant. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, I don't know what to say to that. Why would you? That's like a really, really cool thing to have. Yeah. Well, I, I saw that it was on. I saw it on eBay. Um, before I saw them retweet the guy, so it was a bit weird. So I'd seen that you know the number zero zero one because they're all numbered was mm. on eBay for two hundred seventy five quid, and I was like. <laughs> Forget that. And then, uh, yeah, I think it was the following day, actually. I saw the silver screen were like, hey, this lucky guy managed to find number one. And then I was going to tweet and say, yeah, and he put it straight on eBay, but somebody had already done it with a link. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, cheeky. Cheeky. Yeah. I hope no one buys that because that's a ridiculous price. But I, would li- I do want to get my hands on these. But, yeah, I'm looking for more. I think the Genesis went for 20 quid in the shops. Yeah. And I believe that. Dalek Invasion was around 27 because it's a double. And they've been going for anything around sort of 40 to 60 currently, maybe yep. up. 
um, possibly more on eBay. So I don't know. I'm not sure what I want to pay for them, but I do want to get my hands on these. Did you ever pick up the old Caves of Androzani, the double purple vinyl? Um, no, I didn't. No, you got that, didn't you? No. Oh, I thought you did. No, but you can still get it from Silver Screen. Can you? I think it's about 20 quid, 20, 22 pounds or something. Are you sure? I thought that went ages ago. They brought it back. Oh, really? Stealth, oh, I might get stealth that. mode brought it back. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that would be an awesome one. Are you, are you still thinking of getting the big finish one? What the Giants um, of Midnight. Giants of Midnight, I yeah. am indeed, yep. You're getting that, I'm are you? I'm just sold on it, mate. I know it's a lot of money, but... It's, be- it's gorgeous. But meh. It's going to look so good next to your steel book of Spearhead. Do you know what? It's my money to waste. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll say yeah. waste. It's my money to spend. Bend, yeah. And there you go. Mm. Anyways, talking of books, um, our friends at Milk Publishing... Oh, yes. Yes. Sent us a couple of copies of, um, this looks like a very good book. I haven't even started reading it yet because um, I'm still reading The Script Doctor, uh, which is also very good. Mm. Um, but they've sent us a couple of copies and I'm going to give one away. Um, you guys may have seen this. The cover's very bizarre. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, Wallowing in Our Own Weltschmerz, uh, The Old Adventures. And it's an Auton guide to the stories behind the stories of the Seventh Doctor. Um, and just to give you a quick synopsis on this uh, Doctor Who is now in its 51st year and enjoying its 12th strikeout 13th strikeout 14th strikeout latest of many actors to take on the lead role every era is different each actor brings their own style to the role each producer and script editor makes their mark and Sylvester McCoy's era is probably one of the most divisive among fandom Um, so this is a a story which is kind of... um, like a, it's well, it's like a, a a different approach to a Doctor Who story. Put it that way. It's not written in the same style as you would pick up any other Target book or anything like that. It's basically yeah, it's an Auton guide um, to all the stories behind the Seventh Doctor era. Um, so some of the so another cool thing on here it says the Auton guide is the stories behind the Seventh Doctor era, and it answers all the questions fans haven't been asking. So <laughs> cleaning robots. What can you actually clean with a drill and a saw blade? We mm, tried. Who point. built the Rani's layer and how long did it take? Uh, Harry's 70 plus. How old, how old is his wife and if she's having twins in a few weeks? <laughs> what is the psychic circus so-called? So it's a real fun, quirky, you know, not your average run-of-the-mill story. It's very cool. And we're going to give one away. So all you need to do is answer this very simple question. Just fire your answer on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever you like. And the uh, the question is, uh, the question is, I'm going to have to say this right, which uh, famous British pudding uh, does the doctor yell at Davros to be unlimited? <laughs> what, what, what famous British pudding... Um, does the seventh, sorry, does the, yeah, the seventh doctor yell at Davros that's unlimited? You've actually only got to add one word into what Can you, you do it, said. please? Because we went through this like seven no, times fine. before we recorded it. Yeah, and I was no, like, that's, that's absolutely fine. I think you've, you've got it spot on. I'm sure our listeners will get it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's a very famous quote yeah. from the seventh doctor. So just tell us what pudding that is and we'll announce the winner. I don't know. Next week. Next week's show. Next week's show, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
So Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever you like. And uh, yeah, we'll send one out to you. It's no problem. Yeah, nice little book. It's uh, the cover, like you said, is really cool. It's um, it's done in the style of is it like the Virgin? Remember the old Virgin? It is Doctor yeah. Who books. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's good. the Doctor um, and Mel riding a New bumblebee. Adventures. Yes, mm. uh, yeah, it's good. Um, and I think we'll we'll do there for uh, waffle news, merch, tumbleweed, and other various <laughs> stuff. That's uh, it. Let's leave this planet. Yes, I think it's time, Remus. Or Romulus, whichever one you want to be. <laughs> whichever one you want to be. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing this week, my good friend? Well, Gary, let's leave this barren land. Do you want to go to Titan 3 or Jaconda? What do you fancy? Um, I reckon, just because it's a very a very, a very boring slow week, uh, Titan 3 might just send us over the edge, so Jaconda <laughs> it is. Also, there seems to be a lot of explosions going on in Titan 3, so yeah. So this week, it is the Sixth Doctor Classic... <laughs> The Twin Dilemma. Perry. Yes? How do you come by a name like that? It's the diminutive of my proper name, Perpigillium. Indeed. <laughs> One morn, a Perry at the gate of Eden stood disconsolate. Who wrote that? I haven't the faintest idea. Of course you don't. You don't even know what a Perry is. Do you, Perry? No. I'll tell you. A Perry is a good and beautiful fairy in Persian mythology. The interesting thing is, before it became good, it was evil. And that's what you are. Thoroughly evil. Doctor, stop it! No. No, not even a fairy. An alien spy. Sent here to spy on me. Well, we all know the fate of alien spies! Whatever else happens, I am the Doctor. Whether you like it or not. Adam was just uh, uh, air celloing. Yeah. His finest. I love that note. That comes in there. <laughs> right. Jeez. Twin dilemma. Where to start with this one, oh, eh? Um, yeah. Right. So, some some meta info first. Right. 1984. Four-parter. Mm. Written by Anthony Stephen. Uh, directed by Peter Moffat. No relation. <laughs> that we that we keep saying over and over. We again. always have to clarify that. Uh, yeah. Yes, um, and this was a four yeah four parter. Can you imagine if it was more? Yes, I was going to say one of the most uh, overly ambitious four parters mm-hmm. from the classic years, um, starring the fresh faced Colin Baker yeah. as the Sixth Doctor and Nicola Bryant as Perry um, or Pera, Pera, Peregrine Perpagillium. Perpagillium as she's uh, fully known as. So The Twin Dilemma is basically a story about um, these two <laughs> these two genius boys who actually absolutely scare the crap out of their dad, apparently, um, because they're so, they're so brainy. They're basically like those annoying boffin kids at school mm-hmm. who just get sent off to do, like, extra maths. Yeah. And stuff like that, because, you know, us regular folk just can't keep up 
So they do like these extra stuff. So these <laughs> twins are basically get abducted by an, uh, a very aging uh, Time Lord, which is weird. Because mm. throughout the Doctor's entire run, he always complains he's the last, but all these other Time Lords keep popping up all over the place anyway. So this other Time Lord basically abducts them so they can go to this um, giant slug dictator guy to work out how he can uh, manage, how he can stop all of his eggs from being roasted by the sun or something like that. You have to be a bloody genius kid to work out the script before you even get into the story. (laughs) Um, Along the way, uh, we have the Doctor who is very much, you know, in and out of his fresh regeneration phase. So he's all over the place. He's attacking people. He's going mad. Um, And Perry is trying to keep up and just, you know, trying to deal with the Doctor's, you know, blatant, you know, mood swings, whatever. Um, And then we have um, uh, these uh, owl, bird, pigeon, strange type (laughs) creatures who are servants to the giant slug people um, who are kind of caught in the middle. Um, uh, and it, yeah, Let, let's just get into what we think of it because you, yeah. I, I'm going to talk myself round in circles about this because you have to mm. be quite intelligent and I'm not, uh, to actually get a coherent grab, grasp on the story. So Adam, what did you think to this one? What do I think? In general. Um, I think the story itself is terrible. In terms of the storyline. <laughs> I'm glad um, you said that because I'm, I was struggling there to try and make a terrible story sound interesting and in no. any way enjoyable. Yeah. Um, it, 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 the storyline itself is terrible. Um, but I find a lot of what's going on in this episode quite interesting. Um, okay. I think it's quite a bold move what they're trying to do with this new Doctor. So I like it for that. But um, in terms of <laughs> enjoyment, oh, I just... It's a bit. It's a bit of a mixed bag. This one, but I find it interesting. Yeah, because one. Okay. Well, well, the first thing I've, that absolutely shocks me with this is that they thought this would be a great story to introduce the new Doctor. Um, you know, just because it's basically about a giant galactic slug wanting to blast his um, sunproof eggs across the universe <laughs> to, to take over the universe. Yes, uh, that in itself probably should not have left the drawing board um but but i do yeah but i like the fact that the doctor's going through this regenerative crisis regenerative regenerative yeah yeah crisis um and that he's a bit unstable and uh (laughs) just a bit and yeah and although it's terrible and we'll go into it more a little bit as well about why it's not so good um although it is that like that i did actually quite enjoy watching it <laughs> so i'm in a bit of conflict i'm a bit like the doctor himself where i'm flicking from one <laughs> side to the other because i just was sat there the whole way through kind of shaking my head and going what you know um but i also yeah kind of enjoyed it in a way so i'm yeah i'm conflicted it's by no means good <laughs> and it's quite shocking and i think it very often comes at the bottom of polls doesn't it this one it's regarded as one of the worst yes um i have a feeling some of that is justified but i have a feeling a lot of that is due to the fact that very bizarrely this was shown at the end of the series so this followed caves of andrazani that's right yep um which is really really odd isn't it so we got this straight after one of the best doctor who stories and one of them (laughs) 
most you know well directed and it really upped its game and then we get this and presumably at this point the budget has all run out and it, it's just a very strange decision to, to put it at the end of a, a series and and also to, to be in such contrast to with such a great story to get such a terrible storyline yeah you know, it's just it's just yeah it baffles me um and i think there was quite a wait wasn't there so at the when this one finished uh, what was this one? This was in March 1984, you said, didn't you? Yeah. Next so Attack, one was, yeah. Attack of the Cybermen didn't air until January the next, the next the following year. year. So Nearly, we, yeah. Got, yeah. we got one episode with this new Doctor who was acting like a complete and utter madman yeah. and really not that likeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're left with that for all that time before you actually get to to sort of see him again. So I don't, I don't know. That... There are so many decisions here that baffle me, mm-hmm. but but I find it fascinating. So yeah, I'm in conflict. What about you? Um, I, I'm I'm kind of the same. Um, the, the the for the most part, I didn't really enjoy it, right? Um, but I did enjoy certain elements of it. Um, and it is a very strange move. I do agree. It's bold for sure, but it's mm. very strange because two weeks earlier, we had just one of the the best classic stories i mean caves is just i don't know i, I absolutely it's love it it's one of the yep. yeah you know we know where we're going with this and then it follows up with this bizarre you know it, it's just well first of all it's strange isn't it that they decided to do this at the end of the series and then mm. have what is it a 10 month break 11 month break or something yeah. Before the new one. And back in the day, because we speaking now, we're almost time travellers, aren't we? Because we can go from March eighty four to January eighty five in a like few that. seconds. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But I imagine back in the day, um, there was no forums and Twitter and podcasts and all that stuff. You were left literally abandoned at the end of this episode thinking, oh, I imagine a lot of people were like, What the bloody hell has just happened? Yeah. I think a lot of people were. Um, yeah. So it was weird. It was it, it's strange that um that they just let they just let the doctor cut loose like that in this very unstable, crazy, you know, sometimes scary um mm. character. And then you just left thinking, Okay. That was weird. I wonder and- what they're gonna I wonder where they're gonna go with that. So um but there are elements, so I think it is quite strange. I mean, it's okay if, if you, nowadays it's kind of irrelevant because everything is released as a single story on mm. DVD. Nothing's in, you know, chronological box sets really or anything like that. So it's really not, it's quite irrelevant at the moment, but it's just interesting that they decided to do it as part of the same series. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird. And I also find that for me, the first, the very first story of a new doctor um, has to be, has to have an impact. It's crucial. It's, you know, it's important to set off the new, the new actor playing that, that role. It's important, you know, that you kick off with, you know, a, a better than average story. Mm. And although we'll come on to it in a little while, although I think Colin is very interesting in this, the direction that he took the doctor or which, or how it was written, whatever, um, I'm more baffled why they chose such an absolutely dreadful story to kick off this new Doctor's run. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Because every every classic story has its problems to a degree. Some are more than others, but every story has like little niggly things that aren't quite right. But this one, as a story and as a script, was just absolutely dreadful. Mm. And it's one of those things, you know, where you sit and you think about, after I watched, because I've seen this maybe, um, I think when I re-watched it this week for our review, I think that's the third time I've seen it since I've had it on DVD maybe a couple of years now. And every time I watch it, afterwards I think to myself, the people who are running the show, so I think at this time, what was it? John Nathan Turner and someone else. Um, What the heck were they thinking surely yes. to god even they must have been taking some pretty hard drugs back then or they must have just been exhausted and tired and just didn't give up about it but you would have thought to yourself how on earth could you sit down and read that script and that story and think it was okay to start off a brand new doctor's run with that it's yeah. just completely mind-boggling. I just cannot get my head around it. I really can't. Because he's... J- John Nathan Turner, we, we have to give him a lot of credit. You know, he did, a, he did a lot of great things for Doctor Who back in the day. But these little things like this, I just think to myself, what was going on? Yeah. What Was he on holiday and somebody else just made the decision <laughs> and then they got fired when he came back or something? I, it's just, yeah. So the story for me was just completely dreadful. The script, the story, some of the supporting cast was, you oh. know, I just didn't enjoy it. That's the thing. It just wasn't written in a way that I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, this is the reason why I put on Classic Who because I love it so much. It's just I just didn't get any of that feeling at all. The only things that I got a good vibe about was Colin's performance however arrogant you want to call him however mm-hmm. dark and all that stuff he did make an impact and he did yeah. completely change the, the the doctor's you know the approach to playing the doctor so I like that and I didn't at first I think when I first watched this one I thought to myself what an egotistical up himself as I'm sure a lot of people did mm. you know um, but the more, but you know, now I've seen it a couple of times more. I think to myself, well, you know, fair play. You know, you're taking on that role. You've had Davison playing it a certain way for this amount of time. You had Car- uh, Tom before that. So now you're just like, do you know what? I'm just going to do it completely different and change mm. it up. And I'm just going to make people sit up and go, wow. You know, the doctors change a little bit. And, I, and uh, I like that. It certainly does do that, doesn't it? I mean, Colin's definitely grabbing grabbing it by the reins and going with it isn't oh, it yeah yeah there's no doubt about that um and it is so in contrast to peter's doctor which is a good thing yeah because it like you just said it's it couldn't be more different could it i mean peter was the gentle very british terribly yes. sorry yes uh, and colin okay. is like um is like quite selfish very egotistical he's like i could solve this in two seconds if i want you know, and yeah, he's um, yeah. he's prepared to sacrifice Perry uh, to save himself. He's like shoot her, isn't it? You know, uh, or is that a different story? But he's very, yeah, no, he's very much, yep. yeah, he's very much. Um, you know, I'm the most important man in the room. You know, and he's very sort of full of himself. Um, so yeah, so very much a contrast. So we've got we've got two stories, caves, and this one, which are completely in contrast. We've got two doctors that are completely in contrast. We've got two doctors' costumes that are mm-hmm. completely in contrast. I mean, you talk about decisions and why they were made. Yeah. I mean, that costume 
Collins on record as saying as well that he just couldn't quite I mean can you imagine when he first went in and saw that can you can you just imagine <laughs> what he, he must have been like what for the whole series what or just the regeneration crisis or you know he must have just thought oh my you know do you reckon he would have done what his character did so do you like this Colin like <laughs> like it's, yeah, he would, yeah. Have, he would have been like, what the heck are you guys doing? Because yeah. um, even Tom's costume was fairly low-key. With yeah, the exception the of the scarf, off, that was yeah. just like, you know, the, the novelty there. The rest of it was fairly low-key. And as, same with Peter's. It was just a cricket outfit with his stripy trousers. Yeah. Um, but this was, yeah, this is like, this is like a circus clown compared to... And it's not the just others. the coat, though, is it? You've got the yellow trousers, you've got the waistcoat, you've got his cravat thingy. It's just, he's so, like, he couldn't be wearing any more clothes, I don't think. It reminds no. me of that episode of Friends where Joey comes in wearing Chandler's, everything Chandler owns out the wardrobe, you know? It's just like, <laughs> he, he literally, he just is swamped under this costume. Yeah. Um, luckily, Colin is such a big character that he does uh, somehow amazingly stand out above it mm-hmm. which is quite a quite an achievement in itself i think yeah. um i have to say watching this again the other day colin is much better than <laughs> i remembered considering what he's given i mean there are moments when he's not great and that's <laughs> to be expected in a first story but um but i actually and I wouldn't have liked this at the time. I wouldn't have liked this when it aired. I know. I, I probably just would have, like you just said, been thinking, what have they done to the Doctor? This isn't a Doctor. But I like it now. Like watching it again, I'm thinking, yeah, I love this. I love the fact the Doctor's gone crazy. And <laughs> I'm I'm still not sure about the strangling scene. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. When you talk about decisions being made, uh, on paper, just how did that ever I just can't imagine them saying, yeah, this will be good. The doctor strangling Perry on the floor. And it just, I don't know. I still think that's just a little bit crazy. Um, but, but yeah, but I'm liking Colin in this. I have to say, I'm kind of, he was sort of making me laugh, actually. The fact that he was just so pompous yep. that um, yep. I couldn't help but laugh and think, oh, God, you know. But yeah, but that's one of the things that I, yeah, that's one of the things that I noticed immediately. Well, not noticed, but um, just. If we let's take for example um, Matt Smith after David Tennant, mm. two very different doctors. However, in that same sort of ilk, you know, young, fresh-faced, um, quirky, zany, you know, with that sort of thing going on. This is like just the complete other end of the spectrum, mm. just in everything. So look, uh, acting, you know, skills, you know, how they carry themselves. This is like completely you know, the other thing. And it's, I think people pick up on that more. And the reason probably why we're talking about it is because what we mentioned earlier is that it's part of the same series, even though it's at the end, it's like part of the same thing. And it's like, wow, it's just like black and white night and day. It's like pretty, pretty And you can, you can imagine as well, um, Peter Davison sitting there because he probably, he would, (laughs) he would have watched it, wouldn't he? Because he's quite soft. You know, he's like, (laughs) yes. uh, Okay. Um, we've got to, have a new doctor. I don't really speak about that much. Uh, you know, and he's very soft and he's very whispery at times. Yeah. And then you've got this guy who's like bellowing and shouting and it's just completely. And it's, I mean, for me, I like it. I, I like the fact that he brought in, the, the, you know, that extra or that completely different layer of whatever you want to call it. Mm, gusto. But, but yeah. it's just very jarring. But you, you know. can see it's at the end of the series as well, can't you? Because the whole, 
the the sets and everything look dreadful. <laughs> everything I mean, looks like crap. The, yeah, it looks <laughs> like they've they've found every old bit of set they can find from Blake Seven to Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, shoved it on. <laughs> I mean, one of the some of the scanners are covered in tin foil. Yeah, with a with yeah. a black. Um, lightning bolt down them, I and they it just the whole production just looks awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the costumes are terrible. I mean, that thing that the poor police guy or whatever he is, space officer, gets that when he put that on, I was I was just laughing. I was like, oh, that poor man. You know, he puts that like sort of um blue tinfoil top on, okay. and just <laughs> happens to be the the one costume in that massive TARDIS wardrobe that's got his gun, um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. bullet in or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, I just think the whole thing just suffers majorly from being at the end of the series because clearly they've run out of money and and we spend one of the things I noticed in this watching it again yesterday is that we spend so much time in the TARDIS like probably what three quarters of this story mm-hmm. is the Doctor and Perry and uh, what's the police guy's name the space guy Hugo is it uh, Hugo Lang Hugo yeah. Lang yeah that we just spend so much time in that console room don't we for, you know, it's not just like the beginning of an episode. Normally, you just they'd be in it, land and out. We spend about three <laughs> episodes in there, back and forth. Yeah, you know, they have the odd little bit where they step out onto a onto a sand dune, and then they go, they actually go back in, and we're like, oh my god, we're back in the console room again. You know, um, and it, I don't know if that was a money saving thing, just to, you know, it didn't might, need a new set, but yeah, I mean, it, it's also um, we also have those scenes where. The doctor's trying out his new costume, and yeah, well, I always like you know. those scenes. But <laughs> yeah, um, when he picks up, does he pick up Troughton's coat? He picks up Troughton's coat. Is he it... actually puts on um, Pertwee's jacket. I'm surprised right. he fit. I just imagine the arms ripping when he put it on. Yeah, uh, the nice velvet jacket. Um, yeah, what else do we get? Because yeah. they kind of do that gag in the classic series. Yeah, they yeah. do it with Colin. They do it again with Sylvester, don't they? In Time of the Rani, he picks yep. out the second Doctor's coat again and kind of do the same joke, but. Um, but I love Perry's line when he picks his costume. She's like, yuck. And yeah. he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you, we, we still don't know as a viewer if he's going to snap, mm-hmm. if he's going to go mental at her. But Isn't that oh. when he does that manic laugh, that bit? He kind of falls into the coat rail and starts saying some really weird stuff, and then he like bursts into a crazy laugh, doesn't That's he? That's right, yeah. He goes yeah, a bit it's mental, all yeah. a bit weird, yeah. So that's interesting, bit- isn't it, how, they've, how they treated the... Re- the the post regeneration strangeness in that one because um when we saw like just some other you know doctors regenerate it's been fairly they haven't really been that unstable have they it- no peter was a little bit wasn't he he's like spends a little while in the uh in the what's that thing they put him in they sort of chop up a bit of the tardis wall and shove him in a <laughs> Like this white coffin sort of thing. I can't oh, think what they call it though. Um something chamber, I think. Yeah, something like that. But we he's sort of he's more but it's more the fact he's weak rather than yeah. Colin, who's just erratic. Yeah, it's the same with um when uh Pertwee came on the scene, he just collapses, doesn't he, out of the TARDIS. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's laid down for a bit. But when when he's up and about, he's kind of into normal really. The same with uh some of the other doctors, but Tom's is brilliant though. Do you remember Tom coming out the TARDIS oh, in all yeah. the costumes? Like he does the clown, the clown, yeah, and then um, he's like um, fit as a fiddle, chopping the brick in hot. I love yeah. Tom's regeneration bit actually. Yeah, so yeah. none of them really go in and out of this go. dark, dark place and go violent or anything like that. So um, it's quite. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's quite a bold move to do. Yeah, some and in hindsight, things. I like it. 
in hindsight, I, I yes. really like the fact that they just thought, right, let's do something different. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Um, right, so we spoke about the Doctor quite early on there. We normally leave him till till last, but he is an important part of the, of the story. Very much. Um, and for me, like I said, it's his performance really and his moments on screen that you know kept me watching until the end of episode four. Otherwise, I probably would have... Oh, you know, definitely. Picked up my phone and started just looking at Twitter or something while it was on. But yeah. Um, yes. Anyways, other cast members. Uh, let's talk about the twins. <laughs> Must we? Actually, no. Let's talk about Perry. Okay. As soon as we're going, Doctor down right, downwards. Okay. Let's talk about Perry. What did you think to old uh, old Nicola Bryant? I actually don't think she's too bad in this. You know, because I actually I sometimes find um, Perry a bit whiny and annoying where in this she's quite she's she still is a little bit whiny but she at least is quite strong when she's standing up to the doctor and yeah i thought she was all right again better than i remembered i was certainly not not great but you know i thought she was all right in this i liked like the way she was a bit more feisty because we've said this before she very perry very often gets very little to do than follow around with the doctor and they argue and do you know what I mean? Whereas in this, she's like, yeah, I thought she was all right, actually. Yeah, I thought she was okay. I think she she still desperately needed acting lessons. Mm. <laughs> um, but for the most part, um, I thought she was okay. Yeah, I mean, some of her some of her episodes are hit and miss for me. Oh, but yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Perry, I think she's... It's, it's weird because I, I thought she was okay in Caves. The one before. She's, she's good in Kate. She's, she's pretty yeah. good, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this one, she was, she sort of carried on that momentum, really, from Kate. Yeah. So I thought she was, she she was really into it and she was very good. But one thing that I did like about her is she, she did play, she did play the whole scared of the Doctor being very wary mm. um, of, of, because the companion always has that thing. I mean, to the extent where, do you remember when um, uh, Clara, was very, very sort of weary and almost not happy at all about Peter Capaldi. Oh, yeah. So the first episode or couple that they were in, she right up until that moment where um, uh, the 11th Doctor phones her and says, says something like, you know, you're, you know, I look very different now and it's still me and whatever it is, that little conversation. Yeah. And then she gives him a hug or something. But up to that point, she was very, very strange and i think rose was like that to a large degree as well mm. with um with that regeneration but i think she was like the first companion that really had that that vibe of like you know i i really don't like this doctor yeah i, and really, I just don't know when he's gonna snap yeah so she didn't like even before he had those weird moments of when he snapped even then she was she didn't really like him mm. um probably because he was very very forthcoming and arrogant almost but she well, really Colin, didn't she didn't really like him well colin really throws her to the floor as well you you watch that about I mean, i'm sure they rehearsed it but blimey does he when he's strangling her he kind of grabs her by the shoulder and shoves her on the floor it's quite like and it, i don't know yeah. if it's as i don't know if it's as rough as it looks or whether they just i don't know but i was thinking wow it looks like he really throws her down there i mean obviously when he's strangling her it doesn't look that that you can tell but when he throws her down i thought blimey colin's thrown all over the set poor woman yeah and I'm, i wonder if they did that in one take or not if they had to do that a couple of times oh. maybe um but yeah but when he throws her to the ground unfortunately 
you can see all the scuff marks around the bottom of the TARDIS console and cables oh, hanging out. And, cables, yeah. yeah, I saw the cables. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I thought she played that whole um, very scared of the new Doctor, very mm. wary, not sure what he's going to do next. You know, right up until the end, even when he, even at the very end, where he's still, you know, still gives her a little a little dig at the end. She gives him a nice big smile, and you know yeah. from that point on that uh, they're probably going to be okay. But even even after that point, for the you know the next series after that, he still gives her a few digs, doesn't he? He still, even, yeah. The relationship between the two of them is never. I never get why she travels with him yeah, after it's, this. It's bizarre because he yeah. still treats her like, you know, she's the tea girl. Yeah. Almost like make the cup of tea and keep your mouth shut and do as I tell you. It's very not a very much. You can imagine Rose like that. Yeah. Or no. Any, no, it just doesn't work, does it? No, or Doc, you imagine Donna. Oh, She'd have yeah. punched him across yeah. the TARDIS console, wouldn't she? Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, I, that's what I didn't get because I never understand why Perry would travel with this man because he does treat her like dirt. Um, and yeah. I know they said they planned to soften him. That was part of the whole big scheme. But they didn't really do it enough, did they? He's still too brash even in you know the next series with attack and yeah. um and all that and vengeance and he's still too harsh yeah, as the but, doctor they didn't soften him enough i don't think yeah they didn't really that that didn't really work for me um because the whole intention was to make him very unlikable to begin oh. with especially in the eyes of the companion that was the whole plan was to make him very for the audience to be like oh i don't like him i really don't like him but then by the end you know, towards the end of his run, for him to have like turned it all around, and he was like this very likable uh, doctor, and him and the companion get on, you know, swimmingly, and everything's fine. That they didn't really, that wasn't really a, a payoff for me. I couldn't really see that because, like you said, even towards the end, they he still treated her like. There's too much bickering. Yeah, that's what I don't like about it. It's just too yeah. much bickering because you think about the first doctor and how um, agitated he was, and and you know how he could be so. Um, moody and quite <laughs> yeah. aggressive and that but he also had a real charm to him didn't he <laughs> you know he could yeah. he could switch from one to the other but he had a he had a sort of soft side that you you could warm to him whereas colin's doctor we don't see much of that i mean we get a little bit in this story with uh with um edgeworth or asmail whichever um but we don't see much of it in colin's other stories that i can think of I'm trying to think now. I don't remember. There's not many scenes, is there, where we see much of Colin's sort of softer side. He's very often quite... Not really. No. Because no. I think he just settled into that. That's how I take it anyway. Mm. Even though they tried at certain times to do it, I think he just really settled into that, you know, um, brash. Brash, You know, yeah. very... Um, almost, uh, almost arrogant to an annoying degree at times mm. um but yeah so i think he just settled into that into that vibe too much yeah um but yeah so perry i think i think she she works in this she plays the the very dowdy scared assistant companion pretty well yeah i'd agree yeah um the twins <laughs> the twins remus and romulus Weemus and Womulus can't pronounce their R's. Yes. Is that... <laughs> don't ask me if it's intentional. I don't know, mate. Because if it is, isn't that a bit cruel? I don't think it is. Because I, I thought that again, because the, the times I watched this before, I thought to myself, 
their R's are a little bit wah. They're a little bit yeah. Jonathan Ross. And I thought that can't be real because they don't do it over the top and they don't do it, you know, too much that you would think, oh, bloody hell, they're trying to do a, you know, whatever the name of people that can't say their R's very well. There's a name for it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was a, I think that's their natural. I would assume so, yeah. but it does. Yeah, it does seem cruel. They're called Re- Remus and Romulus. I yeah, know that is um, a really. Cr- <laughs> well, fortunately, they don't have to say each other's names, do they? <laughs> they never say it. So, um, no. Yeah, but what did you think to um? What do you think to their dad? Who's uh, <laughs> at the very beginning? He's just like this strange. He looks like a game show host. Yeah, he looks like um. He looks like this. Yeah, like he's gone off to present. You know, Wheel of Fortune back in the eighties <laughs> or something, and. Uh, yeah, he's having. He's trying to. He's trying to school them on, you know, having respect for their mum and all that lot, and they're just playing like weird chess, whatever. Just what is know, that thing? Yeah. Just like, <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, I think we needed more of that stuff because I couldn't connect with them as characters. I think we oh. needed slight, a, a bit more of a backstory as to why these two are so important. Because the only thing that we get told is that these two are extremely brainy. And that's all you need to know. We yeah. don't understand too much about why they're that intelligent or too much about where they are or how protected they are and all that stuff. It's just, you know, these two are two brainy kids. Accept it. Here's the rest of the story. Yeah. So I couldn't connect with them. I had no connection at all as to why, you know, they were being, you know, held captive and I didn't really care that they were being <laughs> held captive and... You know, if some giant slug was to burst in and eat them on the spot, I'd be like, okay. You know, <laughs> that was it. I just couldn't connect, mate. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm the same. I just, I I feel sorry for them because they're just two young lads that were probably very excited to be offered this role. With and the they most were... terrible haircuts as well. Oh, the old mushroom haircut, bowl the cut. Costumes, <laughs> the costumes, the dad in his tinfoil coat. Um, but the. Yeah, I, I do kind of, I've got to give them a bit of slack because, I mean, it's not really their fault. They're just two young lads who have been thrown on set. Their acting is as wooden as two chairs. I mean, they, they literally could have <laughs> just been picked off the street and said, oh, could you just pop in and play these two genius twins? Yeah, great, you know. Um, but they are terrible. There's no getting around it. There's no, like you said, no characterization. <laughs> um, they are literally reading lines into the camera yeah. um, uh, and that is it but but uh, it's not their fault they're just you know what I mean they would probably just I don't know they're probably just very excited to get the part and um, yeah. yeah but they're terrible I mean they're absolutely terrible I'm not sure how much it was written for them to be that way no um, I'm really not sure but yeah like you say just completely wooden <laughs> it's like you know the prequel trilogy in Star Wars all over again Who's directed this as well? I mean, the the direct, you know, like you'd think there is no gusto at all in their performance. I don't know. Maybe they were meant to be like that. Perhaps they're just, perhaps child geniuses just are very wooden with no sense of humor. Well, that's, nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why they're geniuses because they yeah. have nothing else going they have on. Nothing else, you know. Yeah. Uh, Peter Moffat is the director. Oh right, yeah, um, mm. yeah. Um, so the twins, I can't really, we can't really elaborate too much, I guess, can we? Because there's just nothing I, much to say about them. I don't mean to be cruel. Yeah, I don't mean to be cruel, but they're not they're not great. Then that that's just it. Yeah, and the dad they're not great. Not much better. And he's got no excuse. He's an older actor. He, he kind of talks into camera a bit, doesn't he? I seem to remember him sort of going, I don't know what he's banging on about. I can't remember now, but I know there's a scene where he's really worried and 
sort of talking to the camera and yes he's um, giving a perf- giving the performance of his life yeah um <laughs> but he, yeah so like i said for me that whole character setup wasn't enough no and seeing as this story is dragged across four parts <laughs> it's they, a bit like that slug trail isn't it, it just drags yeah you feel like you're wading through drying cement with extra treacle <laughs> thrown in um they had more than enough time in episode one to set those characters up quite nicely and for yeah. you to form some sort of emotional connection so that you didn't want them to be kidnapped and you were rooting for them to be saved and everything but yeah alas it was just a it was almost a walk-on part yeah so that's a what few it feels lines, like. yeah yeah um but in terms of direction the um Peter Moffat, we've mentioned him before. I'm yeah. sure we did a. I'm sure we did a cracking story. What did he do before? Oh, he's done. Um, he's done quite a few. But I always get mixed up between Peter Moffat and uh, there's another director. <sighs> I can't think of his name. Got there's two directors that I always get confused. Which one's which? Um, in around this era, uh, Peter Moffat. Who's the other one? Because uh, of course I can't. All I've got in my head is Stephen Moffat. And of course, it's not Stephen Moffat. Um, but yeah, there's one that's like a sort of older gentleman um, and slightly camp, you might say. And then there's another one, which is a much younger gentleman with black hair. And they're the two I get mixed up. And I, right. don't, I don't know which one this is. Yeah. So Peter Moffat, the story before this one was the pretty impressive, The Five Doctors. Right. So he directed okay. that before this one, the year yeah, before. This- might be the older gentleman then. Because I know that there was one. This is the older those, gentleman, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's the older gentleman. Because there is one of those two, which used to really, just the actors, he used to rub them up the wrong way. They just they found him quite difficult. Um, and I think, yeah. But I think, I might be wrong, but I think Peter Moffat was the one that they generally quite liked. Oh, okay, right. Um, he was so, the older guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the older guy, yeah. Um, but yeah, The Five Doctors, which is a great story. Brilliant. And uh, yeah. I remember that being pretty well directed if i remember well, um, what do you do you think do you, yeah so do you think the direction is a bit lax in this one i think it is i think there are some there are certainly some scenes where um uh, it must it must be down to the age old thing of not enough time mm. and not enough money to do the things i wanted to do but um yeah there's just a, a quite a large selection of scenes where it's just uninteresting to watch it's just a bunch of people sat around or standing next to each other talking and there's no camera movement there's nothing happening it's just that well there's know? a lot and also there's a lot of mismatch between the what we see on the TARDIS scanner like the planet landscapes and then when they walk out <laughs> yeah. it's like hey that's not what we like the you know the one on the scanner's dark and like a you know yeah it looks like um, <laughs> they, they step out onto a clear blue sky with a beach and it's like hey that's not what that's not what you were just looking at and they yeah. do it with both don't they like um Titan 3 and Jaconda Yep. look like the same planet. I actually think they're different locations, I believe, but they look the same. It's just a blimming quarry. <laughs> but they're, they're nothing like what they're looking at on the TARDIS scanner, are they? Um, that's probably not down to the director, though, but, you know. Yeah. I, I've just Googled Doctor Who directors, and the other one I'm getting confu- confused with is Peter Grimwade. Oh, okay, yep. He's the yep. other director, Peter Grimwade and, and Peter Moffat. I don't know why I was getting confused. And I'm not sure which one it is that used to rub them up the wrong way, but I have a feeling it was Peter Grimway that the actors sometimes sort of didn't get on with, but I could right, be wrong. Right. I, I, it's when I read the J&T biography and also Matthew Waterhouse's uh, <laughs> Blue Box Boy book, um, I remember he was, you know, there was 
chapters in there about these guys. Yeah. But I always get muddled too, too. Yes. Yeah. So direction, bit bit flat on this one. Doesn't really help. Um, it's probably down to what he's been given to work with, but yeah. yeah not enough time to get it done. and No. Yeah, so I, th I think that's it. It's just very flat. Um, and uh, I mean, some of it, there was a couple of really nice sort of camera angles at one point when they're in the throne room. You know, the giant slug dude. Oh, that, yeah. There's a couple of nice camera angles where the camera's up really high and it's looking down on them and it moves around a little bit, but just needed more of that, you know, because it was just really flat and uninteresting to watch. Mm, you're thinking about the bit where Mestor, you're thinking about the bit where he kills that guy for nicking some vegetables. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Harsh, but fair. Mind melt. Yeah. Mind. <laughs> Don't mess with that guy. Mestor. Mestor, yeah. In your brain. Yes. Um, and what did you think to Hugo? He was almost like a... <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say at first, at first I thought he was going to be like a Dax kind of character uh, not Dax uh, who is it um, Pex uh, Pex yeah I thought he was going to be a mm. Pex uh, character where he was you know playing the hard man but then just crumbles but he yeah. does try to do the, the hero thing and the authoritative thing quite a lot um, and I'm, I'm, sure I'm amazed the point of it yeah I'm amazed he survived I, I was sure when I first watched this he was going to get popped off so was um, Perry. Yeah, but he, um, yeah, he ultimately survives and stays. But what is he the stays. point of his character, though? Like, um, why is he even in it? I never. Quite... Well, he's ordered to go and because they find after the twins get kidnapped, um, they find a ship that was supposedly destroyed previously. Yeah. Um, they find it, don't they, in orbit, which is suspicious. So they're like, yes, you know, this is where the twins must be because they've only just been kidnapped. Um, yeah. so you go and pursue and rescue but it goes into warp drive and buggers off yeah so he has to sort of you know go after them and weirdly he lands he ends up in the TARDIS well he, yeah he crashes and, yeah because, so this is, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, coincidences in this you know a lot of things uh, fall into place yeah quite nicely um, yeah. in terms of <laughs> Of that, <laughs> it's a bit like him in picking out that one outfit, isn't it, with his gun thing in? You know, it's, yeah. there's a lot of things that just coincidence. Yeah, but, well, they um, take him back. Sorry, don't they? He, he doesn't just appear in the time. No, they find him like hack, yeah. in the wreckage. Yeah, and they take him back. And um, from that moment on, he's just really, yeah. I mean, he tries to take control quite a lot. The Doctor slaps him back down into uh, <laughs> into order quite frequently. But mm. I'm just amazed. He always seemed like one of those characters that just would would get killed. And yeah. I thought he did get killed because he gets zapped by... by he gets the, shot in the arm. Yeah, and then he sort of goes flying back and I was like, yep, there you go, he's gone. But then he's back up like yeah. Rambo. <laughs> yeah, He's back up and, and does his thing. But he was, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but he's just another one of those people where oh, they probably didn't see him act very much before. Or after. <laughs> or after, <laughs> yeah. His, his acting's very, you know... He's not as bad as Pex, though, is he? Not as bad as Pex. He's not as bad. No. But um, but yeah, I still think Pex might make a comeback at some point. Yeah. Again, probably quite hard to act in that jacket. I always should imagine the old uh, shell. What is it? A foil, what is it? Foil shell suit kind of <laughs> old eighties thing. Yeah. 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 And the guns look really feeble as well, don't they? Oh, that gun. Yeah, it's just a it little. It's like a potato peeler. Yeah, it looks like an old. Yeah, it's just. Not very masculine at all, is it? It no. looks like a... Yeah. yeah, I actually think he couldn't wait to get that jacket off because as soon as he gets to Jaconda, 
It's on the floor, isn't it? He's back into black with braces. Look, you know, it looks like yeah. someone out of a scar band. But yeah, I think I get the feeling he, he probably said to the guys on set, um, where's your jacket? Uh, what's, his, what's his name? Yeah, to Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, we're ready to roll. Where's your jacket? Oh, I, I've, I've gone and lost it. <laughs> He's probably shoved it down the back of the down the back of one of those tinfoil scanners. <laughs> it's you know. um, it's 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 typical classic budget constraints that we've come <laughs> to know and love. Yeah, in classic. Yeah. I do think that the costumes are particularly bad in this one. I don't know who the don't know who the designer was. Um, because yeah. you know. We may as well talk about the bird people while we're at it. Yes. What do the, you think uh, of their costumes? The Jacondans. Um I just keep waiting for their false noses and stuff to fall off. I just can't. How the hell did they sit it, stick them on? Yeah. I think they weren't too bad, I thought. No, they're With not too bad. The whole actually, feathers and everything. Yeah. They look ridiculous. Of course, yeah. But they they're actually not too bad. I mean, the main guy, Noma, Noma, is it? Noma. He's, he's not too bad, is he? He's actually quite, I don't know, gives quite a fairly decent performance under all that junk <laughs> yeah he's not too bad he unfortunately gets killed doesn't he he does yeah which he is a does. shame because he and makes friends doesn't he with edgeworth at the end they kind of have a mutual understanding oh no you're thinking of the thin which one are you or talking is it about drac is it drac or noma one of it's, them it's drac i think that is he the one that kind of gets used as a as a, as a um, monitor bug in the room yeah yes, no it's yeah. drac oh yeah, sorry yeah, right yeah yeah um noma is the sort of larger chap oh the one that begs the doctor to take him with him at the end no, 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 that's the Chamberlain. Oh, the, he cracks oh, me up. He does. I'm He's getting coming, all, circling yeah. around, trying to get in, desperate to get in the TARDIS. Yeah, and I, actually, I did love that line. The Doctor's like, "No, I don't like you. You're not coming." <laughs> <laughs> I thought I loved that. Just to the point. Blunt. The poor yep. Chamberlain. Um, no, Noma's the big guy. He's the big. guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The big bird. Yeah, I'm getting all the all the bird-like characters confused, but I did think they look good though. I, I like the makeup and the feathers and stuff. They were pretty good. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. Because I was... Now, this is the thing. We'll come on to the slugs in galactic a second. slug, please. Yes, the galactic slug. <laughs> uh, I thought they looked like owls. <laughs> what, you mean Mestor? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, he looked just like an, uh, a typical... Now you mention it. ...tawny owl or whatever you want to call it, but um, which is weird because there's obviously a, a feathered... <laughs> Uh, a feathered approach to the look and feel of the monsters in this one. You kind of he's a he kind of looks like he needs a hug, Mestor, doesn't Aww. he? Just he just he's just this big old owl, you know, with his funny little. <laughs> he's yeah, he's killing people left, right, and centre. He's obviously stressed out. Yeah, he, so just he doesn't kill hug. Perry though. He said, "What does he say? He likes the look of Perry, doesn't he? He's like, I oh. won't kill her. She's rather pleasing or something." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does well. need a cuddle. He does. He and needs, he, yeah, he turns to soup at the end, though, doesn't he, poor old boy? Yeah, no butterfly for him. No. It's just, you know. Do you know, I like the voice, though. I like the voice of the actor, um, Edwin Richfield. That's apparently. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got a good voice for a baddie. But very, again, very theatrical, very typical bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's kind of under that suit. It's quite hard to find him menacing. As I say, I find him more like, uh, that's too cute. Yeah. <laughs> he's always doing his thing with his... his that's probably yeah. all he could move. He's probably trying to get out the suit. Yeah. Um, but they have to sort of help him up the steps and it just looks, it just, yeah, it's not a great suit, is it? No. And he's not very, other than like the mind melt thing going on, he's not threatening other than that, is he? Because if not he was like, right, I'm giving chase... You'd just be like, all right, well, I'll put the curtain See on. See you later. <laughs> and then when you get out here, mate, we'll run down the road a bit more and then 
<laughs> when you come to some steps, we'll just, you know, have a laugh. But, but that slug trail, though, if you stand in it, whew. I thought that was quite I mean, you, well done. Yeah, you've got to, got to get a gun and melt yourself out. That's quite good, yeah. Yes, I like how he adjusted the uh, the level of laser intensity on his gun just by twisting the end. Potato peel too. Yeah, the spud yeah. gun. Just twist the end a little <laughs> <Spud> bit. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for earlier. Yes, yeah, spud gun. Yeah, just twist yeah. the end a little bit and then you can go down to, you know, whatever it is. Set for stun, mm. you know, melt, you know, melting cement level. Yeah, melting galactic slug. But that looked good though. The the trail that they mm. left. It's quite good. Yeah. Um terrible acting when they actually got their feet out, but because <laughs> it was <laughs> it wasn't that thing where you know, they were like Ugh! you know, he's just like, Let me just do one more time. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It needed Not, a sound effect, didn't it? Like a yeah, you know, it needed something to sell that scene. Not yeah. even a bit of residue left on the boot. Just clean uh, out. There you go. Very clean. <laughs> uh, Edgeworth. Ah, uh, Morris Denham. Yeah. Yeah. The old blast from the past. <laughs> that time by the fountain. Yeah. Oh, what did go on at the, that time? Eh? Yeah. What did go on by the fountain? We'll never know. Uh, um, I love how he acted the bit where the doctor's like, "I know you. You're you're Edgeworth, so and so." And he's just like, huh? Like, who the hell's this guy? Who the hell? Yeah. Yeah. And it took him a little while to convince him. It was. Uh, a, was it a supposed to be? Does he say it was like two regenerations ago or something? It's like it's supposed to be Tom's doctor, I think. I think so. Yeah. 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 Our, um, I must just mention this point. Our listener friend Jay Kent. Yeah. Sent me a little clip. I don't know. Did he send it to you? Uh, no, or, no. Where he overdubs some music, and I just can't ever watch this in the same light again. Like when he says, "Doctor, I too." remember that night by uh. the fountain and then um <laughs> then there's sort of uh what's the tune sexy music kicks in do, 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 oh. do, do, and it just zooms in <laughs> on his face it's just oh it's, yeah so i can't ever look at this the same but we'll never know what happened that night we'll never by know the fountain. by the fountain <laughs> <laughs> but can i just say i yeah. like what should we call him edgeworth edgeworth Al's, yep. Al's what do you want to call him but um that's the other thing why why is he using this pseudonym Who's he hiding from? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Is that anything to do with that night? That night, by the by the... we just don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I, I do like him. I do like the character. I always like it when we get to meet somebody from the Doctor's Academy. What's he supposed to be? Like a an old tutor or something, isn't it? Yeah, a tutor from the yeah. Academy. Yep. He yeah, likes hanging nice. out at fountains. With yeah, no, I won't go there. But yeah, um, I like that. I like the interaction with him and Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, did you shed a tear at the end when he dies? Um, I didn't shed a tear, but I did think that was quite sad because that's the. F- I was sad for him, for Edgeworth, mm-hmm. because the poor old sod, he's run out of regenerations, hasn't he? Yeah. So he sacrifices himself, basically. So, yeah. So that's him done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt sorry for him. But uh, I also liked um, the, the doctor's reaction because they could have. I think that was in keeping with his new brash harshness because they they could have got him to act that the other way and gone very soppy and very sad and over the top. But he kept that quite, um, he kept that quite, uh, what's the word? He didn't overdo it. Yeah, there was no pantomime there or, Mm. you know, like, oh my God, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're doing some things with scenes like that where somebody dies in your arms. 
Um, so I, I quite liked how they did that as well. It, yeah. You know, the Doctor was subtle enough with it that it, it wasn't OTT. And yeah, I was gutted for him as well because he must, he must be living on, it feels like borrowed time, mm. you know, because... You know, not that you feel invincible when you've got regenerations left, but you feel like, you know, you've got a bit of a safety net there. If the brown stuff hits the fan, you can come back. But this guy is like, nah, I'm all done. Yeah, he's had enough. Yep. Actually, I think he's one of the better actors in it, actually. I actually yeah. think he's quite decent. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's this nice little scene. The the bit where um, Mestor's inside his head, though, just before he dies, and he's kind of speaking the words, as, but it's Mestor's voice, that does not work. That that should have been done so much better. Because I haven't even realised up until this watch. Because I've I've watched this loads of times, but I didn't even realise that he's mouthing the words of Mestor at that point. Because he's supposed to be inside his brain. Did That's you realise right. that? Yeah, he was taking over his. his yeah, his it mind, could yeah. have been done so much better. That like even if they'd have treated the voice or done something, but he's not really in time with the words, is he? Like it could have been really bit. creepy that bit, but just yeah, it didn't work at all. Yeah, that could have been really scary. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just wasn't done. Mm. Very but well. it's a good scene. It's a nice scene. Sorry, that yeah. bit where the doctor cradles him in his arms, and then mess, um, then Edgeworth for Anne's mail gives him his ring, uh, doesn't he? Gives him that yep. giant ring, and the doctor immediately gives it away to Hugo. Is that very sentimental? Is that just because this is the new doctor and he doesn't really give a yeah I'm not, well i was a bit surprised i was thinking oh the, you know your dear friend has just given you a little memento and you know died in your arms and doctor just gives it away yeah for no reason either yeah. well i suppose he thinks that um hugo's gonna take control of that planet is that what it is um, um yeah i mean i think so I, I but i wouldn't i kind of agree it's weird that he gives the ring away yeah because one of the <laughs> this is a bit dodgy but um, by by sacrificing himself and killing Mestor, um, when he gives the Doctor the ring, you know, he says that one of his fond, one of his fondest memories, and has no regrets about that time spent with the Doctor by the fountain. <laughs> Cue the George Michael, yeah. Um, yeah. So you would have thought that that's quite an emo because we very rarely get emotional contacts with mm. you know the doctor and other characters like that so you would have thought that he would have kept the ring i would have thought so you know as a memento of that night by the fountain has it got some sort of power or something is there because i kept thinking is it because hugo's going off to take control is there something in that ring that's gonna help him i don't know i, I just there must be a reason but it went over my head yeah it just glossed over yeah it, but there's no significance to it really no but yeah um, yeah, Asmail, Edgeworth, whatever you want to call him, bites the dust. He does. And he's, he's good though, isn't he? he I is like when, good, he's, when he's got, yeah. when Mestor keeps bugging him, you kind of feel his pain, don't you? You kind of, it's yeah. a bit like someone, you know, constantly texting you when you don't reply and they're like, you know, I know you're reading it and you're sort of thinking, oh God, here he is again. Yeah. You know, it just when I thought I'd, just when I thought I'd got away from him, he's in the blimmin' doorway. Uh, you know, <laughs> so he can't get away from um, yeah. Mestor. So you, you kind of feel sorry for him in that sense. Um, yeah. But he's one of the better cast. I think, yeah, overall, the supporting cast in this, very, very hit and miss. Um, yes. He's one of the better ones. I, like you, really liked the Chamberlain guy, the guy who's yeah. desperate to get into it. And he's not in it very much, but he's kind of, um, I don't know, he's kind of one of those actors that just you immediately get their persona. 
um, even though he's only in a few scenes, because he's just a bit of a creep, isn't he? He is, yeah. You know, he's just a creep. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and he's, yeah, and he's just, yeah, you almost feel a little bit sorry for him when the doctor shoves him out. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found him quite funny. Yeah, it's a nice little humorous little character. So I like him as well. Yeah, because it's all too easy when you're cast in one of those supporting characters, especially as just a race of people Yeah, um, like the Jacondas. It's very easy, I think, to play them all very similar. Um, Exactly. You're just, you know, you're just spouting off different lines, but it's essentially the same character, you know. So I I like that he brought a bit of, a bit of sass, Mm. you know, (laughs) a little bit of... uh, you know, forwardness to it. It's really funny. Yeah. And that scene at the end is, is very funny when he's desperate to get off the planet and stuff like that. And the doctor's having none of it. And <laughs> it's just really funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mestor. 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 Guy can't get deep enough. Da, 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 da. Yeah. He's um <laughs> the giant galactic slug. <laughs> um, it's not a role you get offered every day. I shouldn't imagine. I, <laughs> Well, don't know. In Doctor Who, I think a lot of people have been offered the role of space creatures, insects. Space pirate, yeah. yeah. Green uh, Death maggot, yeah. The Ark in Space, for example. Third maggot from the left. Oh, they, yeah, Ark in Space, yeah. yeah. They didn't even get anyone to play it, just a big polystyrene cockroach thing. Yeah, falling out. Anyways, uh, Mestor. Other than his voice, I thought he was, um, yeah quite forgettable really as a Doctor Who villain I wouldn't really if someone said to me top five Doctor Who villains from the classic years I wouldn't think oh Mestor the giant yeah. slug character um, so yeah I think he was well acted the voice was very good uh, yeah and his death was quite good as well I liked the, the death scene with all of his insides spewing out and, mm. and all that stuff that was well done apparently they did yeah I think uh, I think it might have been Peter Moffat the director apparently did think it was a bit gruesome so i think he showed it says in the director's notes i think he he basically showed as little as that as possible just so that we got the idea but i think apparently they did it was a bit more gruesome in the original edit or something yeah because yeah. those but, things we get the idea yeah because they can divide opinion those things when we reviewed um the tomb of the site the tomb of the cybermen recently mm. we spoke about that scene where one of the cybermen's like writhing around on the floor and he's got his insides popping out bubbling out something like that it looks quite harsh mm. this one wasn't Nowhere near as harsh as no. that, was it? No, no, it just looks like some uh, blue, I don't know. Toothpaste. Toothpaste, yeah. yeah. <laughs> toothpaste, yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought that was quite well done. It's quite Yeah, good. it's all right. He kind of yeah. just melts into the chair, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah quite slowly and, yeah, like he's having oh, a almost huge feel sorry for fart. Him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Edwin Richfield, pretty good as Mestor. Good voice, yeah. Just, was, just unfortunate he's a, a quickly forgettable character. Very much. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyone else you want to mention? Anything else? Any notes? Any of your classic? Hold on. I was meant to mention this earlier when my we get to the end note, of the show. No, my only other <laughs> note is about the music being very overbearing. It's like, um, yeah, it was. Um, it's, it works really well in some scenes, um, but in other scenes, it's just banging away in the background like someone clattering on some bins and it's just too loud and... <laughs> Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's very hit and miss of this. But Somebody yeah. clanging away on some bins. Oh, well, there's bits of it where it's going mad, isn't there? Like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but yeah, I did find the music a bit oh, OTT in this, I have to be honest. Uh, yeah. the, the theme at the very end, 
then the clip that we played is quite. Oh, I love cool. that. Yeah, that's quite love good. That. The ce- ce- what do you call it? Cello was it? The cello, yeah. Um, love that. Yeah. That's quite good. Nice little moments, or a couple of nice little moments like that, music-wise. Mm. But overall, yeah, it was just a. Um, I found it like a lot of things really, unless there's any standout nice themes or bits. It was quite generic. It was just a bit, you know, there was no particular strong theme throughout this one. I just found some of it a bit painful at times. I was sort of almost turning the volume down thinking, oh. Yeah. You know, like some classic stories, like I'm trying to think of one, um, City of Death. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that has like a quite a famous theme and it returns quite frequently throughout, Yeah, you know, that story. Yeah, it's nice. We don't get anything like that in these, you know, it's just a bunch of, like you say, clanging around and... Very difficult yeah. to whistle the strangulation music, isn't uh, yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Um, but no, yeah. that's all I, That's that's all my notes pretty much. Um, I do, yeah, as you're talking about the end bit, I do absolutely love that last line, um, which is so clearly sort of breaking the fourth wall, isn't it, with the Doctor saying, you might find my latest persona isn't quite as disagreeable as you think, and... <laughs> And, uh, you know, I am the doctor, whether you like it or not. I just think that that those last 30 seconds are genius. I absolutely love that bit. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it does, when it ends, you do, even though you've just sat through four episodes of a very <laughs> dodgy story, I do think that end bit is just, you know, I, I was smiling at the end of it thinking, yeah, I like it, you know. All I like right. that. I like or, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like that last 30 seconds, yeah. <laughs> oh, you like the last... <laughs> okay, it's, yeah. Uh, that's it. I think we pretty much covered it. Cool. Mm. Rightio, scores on the doors. Oh. You to go first. Oh, this no. Week, my good friend. No. Come on. Um, come on. I don't know what to score it. I honestly don't. I, it can't terrible. be that difficult. Come on. It is. It is. I, <laughs> it's terrible. Really? I kind of liked, enjoyed watching it, so right. I don't know. Right. Um, I've, oh, I've gone too high, but this is what I wrote. I wrote 6.5 out of 10. That's what I'm giving it. I may have gone too high, but I kind of enjoyed it in a strange way. So, 6.5. 6.5. You're going to go like two or something now, aren't you? 6.5. Interestingly enough, it's exactly the same score that you gave <laughs> the Vampires of Venice last week. I know. Well, I, I, funny enough, I was thinking that because in a strange way, I actually enjoyed watching this more um, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But okay. yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Uh, I will give it um, a four. A four. Yeah. Okay. Purely because, like I said right at the very beginning, I just didn't enjoy it very much. Mm. Um, and there's only a few sort of standout scenes and stuff like that. And as much as people don't like it, I do like Colin's approach and his performance in it. Um, yeah. Other than that, I just couldn't really latch on to anything else on it, mate. It was just uh, just one of those very slow-moving, very mediocre, quite poorly acted Classic stories. And I'm also very bemused as to why, as the first story for this new Doctor White, such a clangor. Mm, they should have really, They should have brought in the big guns. I mean, I know I appreciate why it's like that, because like you said earlier, I think at the end of this particular series, there's no money left. There's no, but you know, there's nothing that to do with what they had. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no budget. And the, the, the biggest um, crime, I think, in this... <laughs> more than the doctor's coat is the uh is the storyline you'd have thought you know they got the whole season they're working it all out they're planning it you just would have thought they would have come up with a yeah better storyline because at the end of the day this is about a giant slug who's got a load of eggs 
that mm-hmm. he wants to scatter across the universe to take over the universe. And that is it. You know, it's not a great storyline. <laughs> no. And also, um, just to finish up on, um, you would have you would have thought also that they would have they would have maybe given you an insight into what was coming um coming up for the doctor because all because the the end of this episode you know it's almost like um it's almost like the beginning where the doctor and perry you know they're not off to the best of starts with things mm-hmm. and right at the end he's still giving her the odd little dig so it starts off with her basically like, oh, I don't like this new doctor. And, you know, he tries to strangle and all the rest of it. And at the end, he's still giving her a little dig about, you know, don't criticize my look or my persona and all that stuff. Yeah. And then that's it. It's almost like a closed, an open and then a closed book. So it must have felt like, you know, very isolated, like for Doctor Who fans back in the day. Like, oh, is this what we got to look forward to, is it? Yeah, you know, I see these, what you mean. These two just yeah. bickering and, and all that. So it's it's quite, it's quite you know it's quite strange mm. but it's also an interesting direction they well you're right because they had four episodes to to get the doctor's character across and it doesn't really he's still pretty arrogant and aggressive and yeah. by the end of it so yeah you're right they could have done a bit more with that yeah like you said especially as they're leaving us with that for all those months but hey here we are in the future we could skip straight to attack if we want to <laughs> that's it yeah um and incidentally attack isn't nowhere near as bad as this Mm. um well you've reviewed it i must admit we haven't done that one together and i i'm yeah i'm a well uh, wait till we get to that one i'm never sure about that one Mm. rightio okay uh what did you guys think um let's kick off with an audio clip this is our good buddy this is alex kingdom Hello, Grand Am from Blue Box Podcast. Now, before I begin my twin dilemma, I just want to go over the Vampires of Venice because I had a few points in there that um, I'm sorry the uh, clip didn't work. I don't know what happened. I uh, did it through my system. It just didn't work. And I didn't look over it after I filmed it. Sorry. Um, but anyway, I honestly like the Vampires of Venice. I think it has some great ideas. Yes, the vampires want fish... The the fish people want vampires, but, you know, it's Doctor Who that's going to be a scientific explanation. But now on to the Twin Dilemma. Why is it deemed so bad? I mean, I watched this in my, uh, I went through the DWM magazine stuff, and I've watched this one thinking, right, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to honestly blimmin' hate this one. It's going to be the worst I've ever seen. But it's okay. I've seen a lot worse. Um, a lot worse. I would not deem it as one of the worst episodes ever. Colin gives a fantastic uh, performance. Perry is cool. And I just think it's okay. I mean, the characters, I can't remember the life of me. But, you know, it's average. It's not bad. And the characters they meet, especially that kind of guy that reminds me of Captain Jack Hartman, that stays on the planet at the end, is fantastic. But now, let's get on to the twins. I've seen five-year-olds that can act better. <laughs> five-year-olds, five-year-olds can act better than those two idiots. I mean, <laughs> what was even the point of them existing? The entire story could have been better without them. Just put in um, Jago and Lightfoot. It'd be more entertaining. I mean, it wouldn't make sense in continuity, but whatever. Anyway, guys, we're going to give the Twin Dilemma a 4.5. I think it's all right. It's just not brilliant. See you guys next week. Thank you very much, Alex. 
Some real interesting points there. I love that. Why don't just stick Jago and Lightfoot in there? <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, oh, good those stuff. two idiots. Those two. <laughs> he doesn't hold back, young Alex. No, it's good lad. Like it on Facebook. Finn Walsh says, "I actually really like this story. Found it as an enjoy. Find it as an enjoyable episode. As Adam knows, I have a soft spot for time and the Rani, and this episode I definitely have a soft spot for. And he'll give it an eight out of ten. All right, okay. Cheers, Finn." Ben Smith says, I don't get all of the hate for this episode. Sure, it's not perfect, like the annoying twins and the silly slugs, but it's a simple, enjoyable episode, which is what you want from a Doctor Who debut. I can see why back uh, then people would have, uh, wouldn't have would have liked it, uh, but now with the, with the hindsight of Colin's development, it works very well. Uh, he gives it a 7 out of 10. Danny Brown says, this story has literally nothing to offer. Dreadful plot and terrible writing. Not one I'd ever pick up off the shelf. Two out of ten. Mm-hmm. Have a good show. Cheers. Um, Sammy Satine. She says, uh, So the Doctor is suffering post-regeneration so much, he tries to strangle Perry, decides to, decides to wear Joseph Technicolor dream coat, mm-hmm. and nearly has a breakdown so bad he contemplates dying. Uh, contemplating the absolute is the way a Time Lord is supposed to die if you believe Missy. Uh, what a mess. Luckily, he manages to pull himself together in time to save everyone. I don't like the twins, Romulus and Remus. They're a bit annoying. Uh, slugs are not that threatening, except the leader, who is kind of threatening. Uh, Asmel all seems like a nice guy who got himself in a pickle. Uh, I think the episode is okay, not badly paced. I've come around a bit to Colin's Doctor recently, and I think his interaction with Perry in the end was also directed at the audience. That's a good point. Um, I suppose he wanted to reassure people he's still the Doctor. I like Colin, and I also like Nicola and Perry. Uh, six out of ten, only because he tried to strangle poor Perry. <laughs> yeah. I like the bit she, Sam is referring to as well about the, the bit where the Doctor says, I shall become a hermit. And poor old oh, yeah. Perry's going to, he's like, not even questioning it. He's like, yeah, and you're going to be by my side all the time. <laughs> She's yeah. like, what? essentially enslaved <laughs> enslaved yeah. um but that's a good point that sammy brings up though because at the end i think that's for the viewers benefit as much as it is perry's yeah very much so. you know i'm still the doctor continuing on with the audio clips this is our good friend jay kent hey gary and adam now the twin dilemma i have the impression that this was an episode not all that popular but i'm not exactly ashamed to say that i enjoyed it while it may not have been the perfect introduction to six the story i found enjoyable the jacondans i think look beautiful with their feather moustaches and i love that we got an insight into their culture and mythology because i love when stuff like that happens i will say for six's first story his introduction seemed interrupted by the eyebrow bowler cut boys and perhaps his first moments could have been something better than just crying in the corner in the middle of a clothes rack I found Perry kind of whiny in this, but I suppose she had the right to be with almost being killed by the Doctor. Also, what happened to the dad of the twins? If they just stayed on Jaconda, are they just presumed dead where they originally came from? I also really liked Asmael's character, I think his name is, but I think with what happened to him and the Doctor, with them splashing about in the fountain, can, you know, stay between them for all I'm concerned. Nevertheless, I came out of this pleasantly surprised and will give it a 6.5 out of 10. And that's just my opinion, whether you like it or not. Nice one, Jay jovial as always thank you very much right back on facebook uh lewis palmer says i have claimed in the past that this is my least favorite story ever to be produced is that still true partly i think if i had to describe this in a word it would be boring uh the twins are boring the slug creature thing is boring and the plot doesn't make a lick of sense 
It baffles me that they thought a story like this would be good enough to launch a new Doctor in. Uh, on i completely agree lewis uh, he goes on to say the strangling scene is something which i don't really mind i've only ever watched this once uh, this and the leisure hive are my two least favorite stories i think it isn't even laughably bad 1.5 out of 10 oh dear <laughs> oh dear uh, lastly on facebook jeff waddle says uh, this is the only doctor who story in brackets that exists that i have never watched in its entirety Wow. 20 minutes into episode one was enough for me. The bizarre decision to have this as the final story in a season just didn't work. And despite Colin Baker redeeming himself later on, it was rubbish like this that sounded the death knell of who? The twin dilemma, the twin, uh, the dilemma being which one of the twins would you punch first? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeff gives it a one out of 10. Jeff, we know you've been harsh and you've been uh, not that pleased with some who in the past, but I think that's one of your best comments there. Which one of the Mm. twins would you punch first? That is a dilemma. Where are they now? Yes. Uh, Where are they? I don't think they've been in anything. I think I know they've played a couple of extras in a couple of who stories after this, but I really don't. I've not seen them in anything since. So I could be wrong. They could be Hollywood stars by now, and I wouldn't have known. Actually, but. yeah, I think isn't one a Holly? Isn't one a director? Or so I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but yes, so that's on Facebook on the official uh, Big Blue Box page. Uh, let's finish up with an audio clip. This is from Who Addicts Reviews Matt Rowney. The Twin Dilemma. Now my memory is a bit hazy on the Twin Dilemma, and that's because I've not seen it in quite a while. I watched it once and I've not seen it since and there's a mighty good reason as to why I've not seen it since and that is because to put lightly it's goddamn awful. Now from what I do remember um, the story was boring, the characters were very unengaging, very one-dimensional and um, the two twins that this episode revolved around were the worst. Um, every time they came on screen, every time they appeared, every every line of dialogue they had just annoyed me and I really didn't like them, but it's not the story that annoys me the most about this episode. It's it's the context, it's the timing, it's the production, it's everything outside of the narrative as well. I mean, what I don't understand is it's the Sixth Doctor's first story, and at every Doctor's first story you've got to give them their best possible first impression to the viewers. What do they go and do? They make him strangle his companion. I mean... Colin's first words in themselves were a little bit egotistical, but him strangling his companion with the music, I mean, it's somehow, it's like a, you know, of a horror movie. It was it was hard to watch when I first seen it. I mean, I knew that he strangled her in the, in the Twin Dilemma, but when I first seen it, I was taken aback by it. I couldn't believe it. It was shocking. So that just took Colin's doctor off on the completely wrong foot with viewers. And throughout the episode, he was just really abrupt really rude really abrasive and it just gave off the worst impression and not only that but it aired one week just one week after the masterpiece that was caves of androzani and then after this that was doctor who gone for at least a year until they came back with attack of the sidemen so they gave you a slight taster of the sixth doctor a really bad taster and then let it go for an entire year they could not have handled colin's introduction any worse it is possibly no actually i'm in no doubt it is the worst post-regenerative story of all time and i just don't get what they were doing with it i don't get where they were going or any of that so for me the twin dilemma it's probably going to get a one 
out of 10, and that's because it's Doctor Who. Other than that, I can't find a single solitary positive. So, yeah, 1 out of 10 for the Twin Dilemma, guys. And, yeah, apologies if I sound ill, because I'm very ill right now. But, yeah, take care, and I'll see you next week. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Nice to hear Billy, Matt's parrot, chipping in in the background there. I always like it when we can hear him. Away Just tweeting in. away. Yep. Uh, um, get well soon, Matt. I know you're under the weather. Yeah, appreciate still doing a clip, mate, because... Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but the first uh, 10 seconds or so of Matt's clip was basically like, Gary, I'm really ill. I'm probably going to cough and splutter all over this, so please edit out all the coughs and stuff. But uh, fair play to Matt. There was no coughs that I had to edit out or anything, so thanks a lot, buddy. And I want to know, does Matt consider this worse than Time and the Rani then? Because me and Matt have this ongoing thing because he knows I like Time and the Rani, and he's saying this is the worst regeneration so oh, okay. does that mean right. it's worse than time of the rani Ooh. i'm taking it that it is mm. well it is <laughs> okay <laughs> confirmed anything over on thou geeks handbag oh yeah god why am i never ready these days oh, Christ. i enjoy listening to the clips so much oh, my phone switches off yeah we had a couple we had uh callum MacArthur. he says this episode is awful but i like the line i am the doctor whether you like it or not he's giving it a one out of ten Good grief Joseph Hayworth says, uh, hate this story completely. I had a painful experience. It was the worst 100 minutes of my life that I won't ever get back. So, yeah, not a fan. <laughs> Brendan Day, um, what do I think of this episode? I try not to. But in the hours before daylight, as I wrestled the duvet and failed to succumb to Morpheus, I have been known to reach for the silver disc upon which this is written, and blessed relief sleep takes me, he says. <laughs> I can dream, dream of greater tales for the multicolored doctor, whether you like it or not. Ooh. Thanks, Brendan. Um, Nick Richards says, really? I don't think I have the words. <laughs> Poor Colin had some shocking stories. This has to be up there. I watched it when it aired and got the DVD when it came out. And yep, still terrible. In defense of Colin Baker, I will say he's probably my favorite Big Finish Doctor, but there were very few TV highlights, says Nick. And finally, Sean Hughes. Hi, Sean. He says, I quite like this story simply for Colin Baker's performance. Despite his moments of madness earlier on in the story, nevertheless, Colin Baker arrives as a powerful force of self-assurance and certainly makes an impact. He brings back that unpredictability to the role. So, yeah, I really like the story, Sean says. Okay. I agree about the unpredictability because they, yeah. they did that a bit with Capaldi, didn't they? This, this sort of unpredictable doctor. And I, I kind of like that as well. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you very much for your thoughts and clips and summaries, guys. Next week, what are we going to do? Next week, uh, well, it's uh, it's our old friend Christopher Eccleston. It's a yeah. Ninth Doctor story. So we'll be looking at uh, the end of the world. Is very, that what it's called? The end of the <laughs> I world. Realized, yeah, I realised I put that in without checking. Um, it is, yeah. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, it just never sits right with me in that title. So, yeah, his, uh, that's the second story in his series, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, the End of the World. And it's a yeah. very definitive title. It's almost, um, you know, what do you, what, if you've never seen it before, what can you expect from something called The End of the, the World? The End of the World. Yeah. But it's got that little blue fella in it that you said I should cosplay as. Yes, that's right. The Mocks of Balhoon. The Mocks of Balhoon. <laughs> what a wicked name. <laughs> um, uh the Russell T. Davis era had so many cool names for things. Yeah. Uh, one that we liked recently was Poosh. 
Oh, I love, yeah, Poosh. Poosh, and now the Mocks of Balhoon. And what? there's loads of good ones in this, actually, but we'll save them for next week. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. like a whole array of aliens in this, this story, isn't there? Yeah, it's cool. From what I remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ninth Doctor travels next week. End of the world. Yeah. Yes. And I think we'll wrap there for 87. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for this, well, quite a long episode, seeing as we didn't have much news or any news to go through. We've always uh, got plenty of waffle to yeah. fill up the podcast. <laughs> I think the waffle took over. Yeah. Which is good. And like I said earlier, I hope in some way, shape or form, we're helping you through the drought, the Doctor Who dark times, as it were, at the moment. Jump over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to this episode again, if you so choose to do so and all of the previous episodes and you can also uh, jump from there over to facebook twitter instagram and itunes to subscribe and all that stuff and if you are an itunes listener if you could give us a rating and a review that would be amazing and awesome and uh, we'd love you very much remember the giveaway for the book uh, just send us your answer to the question what famous pudding um, does the doctor scream at davros that is unlimited unlimited something what is it just tell us what it is and we'll get the book posted out to you it looks like a really good book as well it is a good book good story Uh, remember to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag you can find him on YouTube and Facebook Um, yeah go and check out all of Adam's videos loads and loads of good stuff unboxings reviews location shoots convention roundups the whole shebang yeah Go back and check out the all the vids you haven't watched because my new job is killing me at the moment and I just haven't had a chance to, to do any new stuff. But there is new stuff coming, but very, very soon as well. But in the meantime, yeah, please go and check out all the other vids. Yes. Yeah, hopefully there's some good stuff on there that you'll enjoy. You can lose an hour or so just browsing through Adam's videos. <laughs> really good stuff on there. Um, we'd look forward to hearing your thoughts on next week's episode, Chris Eccleston's story, The End of the World. Should be a good review. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just look out for the post on Facebook and Twitter, whatever. And we'd look forward to hearing your thoughts. If you want to send us audio or a video clip, that would also be amazing. We'll play those ones out as well. Um, but please, please, please try and keep it, if you can, to around a minute long. No more. No more. No more. Right, I think we're going to do that. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, Elodie. Elodie.